Temp check. What kind of summer are we having this year? A family road trip summer? A beach bum summer? Or a wake me up when the sun sets summer? With Instacart, choose your own adventure and skip the shopping side quests. Where available, you can get ice cream delivered to your hotel, sunscreen to the pool, or cold brew to your bed. Well, door. In as fast as 30 minutes. Wherever you find yourself this summer, you can get the goods. Download Instacart for free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. Minimum $10 per order. Excludes restaurants. Additional terms and fees apply. This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you if people send you the same generic conversation starters they message everyone else? Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. What is up, Gypsy Gang, you good-looking people? All of you. Every single one of you. Um, Today on the podcast, my guest is an old friend of mine, Uh, We've been mates for nearly 10 years. Uh, We had a very interesting first meeting. Um, We were surfing, it was freezing cold in Oceanside, California, uh, and Josh Keisha um, says, hey, uh, i got a friend coming, Uh, he wants us to take him surfing, and I was like, yeah, sweet, out of the gang, Um, but I didn't know that that friend was a quadriplegic, Uh, so didn't know how we we're going to make that happen um and then we saw woody um sort of come down the stairs on his walking stick and um yeah it was one of like the coolest days of my life we um we took him out into the water got him into a couple waves and then um yeah went home hung out watched the ufc and uh, had a bit of a barbecue and it was such a, a crazy first way to meet somebody um it was one of those things that he told he'd never be able to do again because of his injury um and we were able to push him into a couple of ways he got to his knees in the first one it was just just an awesome day uh and since then we've, we've just always been good mates and since i started this podcast i knew um josh was going to be a guest at some point um so i'm excited that we uh, finally just made this one happen it was uh come up quick out of the blue but uh, sometimes that's honestly the best way to do these things um, before we get into the show, just want to give a shout out to our sponsors as always, the legends at Boost Mobile. Uh, you can basically go online right now to boost.com.au if you haven't before, uh, and you can suss out their prepaid phone plans. Uh, they're on the full Telstra 4G network. They're the only uh, provider other than Telstra that's on there. Uh, and they were voted Australia's best prepaid uh, service provider last year and my guess is they'll do it again this year because they've only gotten better um, I myself have switched over uh, I'd say for over a year now um, and yeah it's just been it's been a it's, it's so good to just like never think about data again because that's all I do with my phone I feel like is data um, secondly the guys at Nobby Underwear if you go on to our Instagram today um, so when, if you don't listen to this the day it comes out, this is not applicable. Um, but if you go to our Instagram right now, you'll see a story that I shared that was a message from one of our listeners uh, basically saying that they'd signed up to Nobby 
because of the podcast and how pumped they were on it and that they eventually then went and signed up their wife for it as well. Uh, And that happens over and over and over and over again. And it's just because the, the product is that good. Um, and it's such a, it's such an awesome thing to, you know, sit here and read these ads and not feel like in any way, shape or form you're selling out, um, to get money because it's just, it has such a good impact on people. Um, people are always happy, uh, when they do sign up. Uh, if you want to be one of those people, you can head to nobbyunderwear.com.au uh, and you just sign up 20 bucks a month to get a fresh pair of underwear, uh, a new random surprise design every single week. Uh, I've actually slowed down on posting them as I get them. I get kind of frothy, uh, post them and it ruins the surprise. So the surprise that comes with your pair of nobbies each month uh, is definitely worth the wait. Uh, and they've just started doing kids too. So anyone that signed up, for themselves or their missus you can also sign up your little uh your little bloody gremlins that run around maybe you can keep them happy um but yeah so that's that's the sponsors done and dusted so just want to say a um, big thanks to those guys and uh yeah this this was an awesome episode i'm so glad we made it happen uh woody's the man um and it, it ties in really nicely because we've t- we've spoken to brad smile we've spoken to barney miller and now we've um we've had Josh on and these three guys are all instrumental in not only each other's lives but the lives of a ton of people out there dealing with spinal injuries Uh, and I'm glad that people can go back listen to the podcast with these three dudes that are genuinely inspirations in my life uh, and I'm glad that I can share that uh, with the Gypsy Gang so without any more of me talking thank you very much uh, and enjoy this edition of the podcast with Josh Wood fuck you make that red wall look better than me that's the first time i guess this out against the red wall that's uh the best comment i've had in a week after hanging out with a bunch of mates that i've got yeah true way eh? um all right <laughs> joining me on the podcast this morning is my homie josh wood what's happening brother not much mate so uh, he can't complain being up here <laughs> yeah i know eh? i was thinking about this morning because it's actually pretty cold that what everyone in melbourne must be going through or yeah it was six degrees all day where you guys only got six degrees at night so yeah i'm not looking forward to getting back to the cold weather but i'm looking forward to getting back to my son but yeah it's always hard leaving here yeah oh, dude it's so good have you ever lived up here at any point no nah, i wanted to um we were going to try a few years ago and it just um yeah it just never really happened so i mean with what i do i can sort of live anywhere yeah up here definitely suits my body a lot more than oh, what yeah, melbourne does struggling the cold eh? mate i can't believe i used to chase winters <laughs> yeah true way eh? now like, there's not a chance like i i literally run away from them so mm. that's a big thing like I, i'd love to live up here but it makes it hard with my son being home so uh yeah just gotta come up as much as i can i've got good mates yeah. up here so just travel up whenever i can so um a bit of background on you as a guest and uh like our relationship or whatever it's funny we met each other probably about like seven eight years ago you reckon yeah i'd say about yeah seven years ago and then the first so the first time i ever met you i think i like knew of you through like keisha and kate and those guys but i never actually met yeah and um and the first time that we met we took you surfing for the first time that you'd ever surfed since your uh since your accident that paralyzed you yeah so like um 
my mate, obviously, who you've uh, interviewed, Barney, he, he goes out and surfs flat out and I was doing Project Walk over there at the time yeah. for, um, for my rehab. And, you know, getting to know Barney and I'm like, he never has an excuse for anything. And surfing wasn't really a bucket list thing for me to do after my injury. It was sort of just something that I saw Barney do and, I'm, and you boys were surfing all the time. And yeah, we're going every day at that point. Yeah, and I was like, fuck it, I might just try. So uh, it was so funny. It was like, what, what I catch like one wave, but... No, I think you got two, man. Two, one on the belly and then uh, yeah, one I tried one to get up. Yeah, you to your knees, yeah. right? And then you were like, fuck yeah, let's go again. But I think the waves are like insanely shit. Yeah, it was, it was choppy as. It wasn't it was a good so condition. it was so cold too. Like, I think the hardest part was you trying to put my wetsuit on. <laughs> <laughs> it took like forever, eh? I think getting it off was worse. <laughs> yeah, probably, eh? Yeah, it had been a while since I've uh, I'd put a wetsuit on, so yeah, I lost that ability. But um, it was a, like an inspirational day and it was a crazy uh, first way to meet somebody. And bonding as well. Yeah, so it was, like yeah. A, it felt like, uh, yeah, I don't know, it felt like we'd been friends for like five years after yeah. just that one experience. Well, I think it just, um, I think obviously what i loved is that you guys didn't really know about my story or anything like that obviously Keisha does and um there was no limits yeah and there was no boundaries which is what yeah, we i thrive like on make it happen yeah. yeah i like i i find that when people worry about me or my situation it fucks me up more yeah if i get like when i used to ride in switzerland i remember this one day like i used to ride with all riders that were way way too good for me but it helped me progress yeah and one day they're like, oh, we're going to do a jump that you got to drop into a chute. Then you come out the bottom and you jump out of one chute into another. But you have to go in this cliff face. And it was all like a, a you had to have your toes against the, the wall. Yeah. It was like a sheer six, 60 meter, like 60 feet drop. And um, I had to ride switch around a cliff face. And like, I would never have done that if I um, had the opportunity to, to see what I was going to go through. But then I was pushed to that point. <clears throat> and then when I got to it, I was like, fuck, I can't believe I've done that. And I think like going through those things with those sports is what helped set me up for yeah. when I had my accident. Yeah. Because I think action sports, yes, you do get hurt, but you get challenged so much and you have so many failures and you push yourself so many times that you don't realize that they're all progression lessons. Yeah. And that's one thing I found, obviously when I went through my accident, I was like, all right, do I either be a victim or do I just challenge myself and try and see what I can do and overcome? And yeah, it's, it's just, it's a, it's crazy. And then getting meet you people like you and, you know, I was, I was nervous about surfing, which was weird. Cause I used to, I was shit at surfing, but like, I loved it mm. and it wasn't a bucket list, but then you boys just made it so easy that it was just fun. And even though like I didn't really do a lot, it was just sick just to get out there and float and get yeah. slammed and stuff like that. Where, you guys didn't treat me like I was precious. Yeah. And then we had a mad feed of hooters afterwards, so. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like, I don't know, we were just like, Jay, it was funny, like, Jay used to, like, because, you know, we had, like, the skate ramp and shit and yeah. all that. Like, he treated you exactly how he treats everybody yeah. that comes to there. Like, we had a, a friend of mine, Tim, came and he was going to spend Christmas and New Year's over there with us. Never fucking dropped into a skate ramp before in his life. <laughs> and Jay's like, don't think, just go. Yeah. And then, like, he ended up, he ended up crashing and uh, dislocating his elbow <laughs> and he spent the whole trip. We took him snowboarding and everything with his dislocated elbow. Yeah. But it was just funny like because we would, we just literally had that exact same mentality with yeah. you. Like, nah, fuck, what's the worst that could happen? Like, Break your neck right. again? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you said that at one point. You're like, fuck. I always say it. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, no, it was just, it, it was cool. Like, 
I don't know. I feel like I got to know a lot of you just in that in that, in that one moment. Day. Yeah. yeah, I think I like I going through what I've gone through. I've learned a lot about people. Um, that's why, I, honestly, like it's crazy. But I've got so many. I've got really good mates in Melbourne, but it's crazy how many really good mates I got up here, and I'm not mm. even from Goldie. Like even like talking to Andy Jackman, like you know, we talked for like a couple of weeks or a couple of months online just not knowing each other yeah and then we caught up for like dinner one night and it was sort of like we've been best mates for years and it happens so much every time like i've been here for a week now and meeting all these new people and it's like we've been mates for years and i just love meeting people like that and i think going through this injury one thing is i hate being treated different and um i notice a lot of people who treat you on a different playing field and I'm still Josh. I'm st- like, even though, you know, I, I can walk, I'm still obviously stand out in the crowd when I walk. But I found that like a lot of people still treat you different. Yeah. Um, that's probably a big reason why I got into earth moving and stopped doing my talks because I wanted to do something that had nothing to do with my injury. Yeah. <clears throat> it had nothing to do with um, Josh Wood, the broken person. It was Josh in an excavator and I could just be normal. But obviously, I burn out with that life. It was just like, you know, 10, 12 hour days just, uh, yeah, caught up on me after six months. So, yeah, I was going to say, like, it, it there as definitely there's, uh, you'd have less mental limitations than physical ones. So, yeah. whenever you do something that is like crazy physical, yeah. Then, uh, well, I went from not having a job for 18 years and then I went straight into a 10, 12 hour day, five day week, work week. Yeah. But I loved it. Like, it, that's, that's just another thing that I've done as a challenge. And, I'm, you know, yeah, I didn't make it into a career. I never really saw it as a career. Um, I think I just wanted to make a new chapter in my life. and A bit of like a milestone thing too, like an achievement to yeah. show what you can do. Yeah, 100%. I was surprised my body held out for six months. But, yeah, I crashed pretty hard once I stopped. Um, with my body, even though I can walk my body goes through everything that yeah. anyone else in a wheelchair will go through except i've just learned to hide it um even like with my diet like the other week like i, I don't sleep i've never had a full night's sleep i have to shave my legs every night before i go to bed because um the nerve damage in my legs are so bad oh, that really? they twitch so like i've got no hair on my legs like every if i don't shave my legs like i'm fucked no shit so like i've got like scars up my legs because like three in the morning where i've just so been so tired and forgotten to shave my legs and i've had to get up and like just dry shave them and is it because of the blanket rubbing against yeah it? the blanket and the doona yeah. like it just dude i've got that in my knee when i broke my kneecap there's all the nerves in yeah. my kneecap now are like cooked. just gone so yeah. when i wear like jeans and stuff it just it's the weirdest feeling well, you eh? live in the perfect place not to wear jeans yeah so. true I don't, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm like well even like coming from like growing up in cairns when i that's what i remember like being in america everyone would just be like fucking never have a shirt on dude yeah that's like oh that's what you do in cairns when it's four million degrees yeah 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 that's it but um yeah no it's it's crazy like i the stuff i go through so like as i was to say like i i started having um valiums again to sleep Mm. and then i realized i was having them too much i started weaning off them plus i was changing my diet and did you ever smoke to like weed no it gets me paranoid fucks me up it's supposed to get you paranoid yeah i know and i like it (laughs) (laughs) but i don't sleep i had a hash cookie once one of my mates is like 
have a ha- I don't want to go into the story too much, but it like really fucked me up. Like, yeah. Well, you just can't have too much. I thought I'd killed my dog and I was lying on my pillow. I thought <sighs> it was like falling fall asleep on my dog and it was my pillow. I freaked out. Like oh. I went full paranoid. So like. Then you're like, nah. yeah. Yeah. No, no. I mean, my thing when back when I was partying was coke. Like I used to just go out and party like, and it was only for a short stint. Like I was so against it for so long, but it, I think I got to a point that with my recovery everything was so focused on Mm. recovering that i never just let loose and yeah just one day i just did it and i was like fuck it just gave me something that i had a feeling and then yeah i got to a point i was like yeah no this this is bad yeah like i kind of like i mean i wasn't like a fiend but like i was having it a lot yeah and I realized that that's not, I hadn't come all this way just to fuck it all up. Yeah. And um, I met um, my, well, my son's mum back then. And that kind of helped me get out of that headspace of just partying because, like, I partied harder than anyone else. All my mates that could walk straight. And I'd do like seven day benders and, like, not always with coke, like just alcohol. But yeah. I kind of felt like that was me proven that i was normal yeah and then i think it wasn't until one day i looked in the mirror in the morning and i was just like what the fuck are you doing with your life like you're just going like all this hard work and you're just partying yeah you're blowing all your money like your company's turned to shit because i had black money clothing and stuff like that oh dude i remember that yeah yeah so i just like i think like that whole was just that black money clothing was just a really bad timing like it was at a point where i was trying to find myself and and I just like give yourself like a new identity yeah away from yeah that injury sort of thing yeah it's just I think I'm just constantly always trying to evolve and if I feel like something's not working for me I'll just shut it off straight away yeah I think that comes back to when I broke my neck and that flight or fight mode and um I'm very one singly focused on things yeah so like when I had to get better and recover I lost so many friends because my whole focus was to get my life back yeah and um like but then in saying that if i see that i'm in a situation that's not good for me then i'll just cut it off like i could be addicted to a situation or fun or whatever it is and then i'll realize it's not getting me anywhere even with work yeah you know with my talks i talk to the biggest corporates in australia and around the world and school kids and i say you've got to appreciate the life you've got but you also got to make sure you live um especially when you're a parent you know like so many parents are like trying to work their ass off to be the provide, provide yeah. but then they forget that the really all the kids want is their parents yeah and they don't need money like we just have been tuned to think that we have to throw shit at kids yeah to make them happy where the kids just want time that's like um you go to like any new parent or anyone that's got young kids and it's just like the fucking toys kids have oh my son's i'm not gonna lie my son's got like he's got a brand new race bike yeah. And, you know like my mate brought him like i went to buy them my mate went and paid for it online like my my mates like he's got a lot but i make sure i have a lot of time yeah and that's where like i was doing my um, my marriage fell through and i realized like i wasn't when I, when we were married and i was doing the work i saw him every day yeah but then when we split i didn't get to see him and then when i did have him it was between friday and tuesdays i was exhausted and it was like i'm not getting to have that time with my son and um especially at that age when they don't even know what money is yeah and i think like he just like i just did a post today on my instagram about um his uh 
greetings every time he sees me and like it's insane mm. like he just runs at me and it's just so pure and natural yeah and there's no bullshit and i think that that's one thing why one reason why i left earth moving was because i was exhausted and two yeah i was making good money but i was missing out on a lot of time with yeah. my son and like i wasn't taking him to the bmx track as much like on the weekends i was so freaking tired that i'd just give him the ipad to chill i'm like this is not spending time with my kid yeah yeah like i want to be outdoors i want to do stuff and yeah i can't chase around the bmx track but at least that, it's you kind of made him tough there. as well yeah. like that's one thing i've been talking to a lot of people like they go damn he's so tough and i'm like well at the bmx track or the skate park when the kid crashes the parent can just run right, to him yeah, yeah, pick yeah, him yeah, up i can't so like he's had to learn to be tough and get himself back yeah like and then sometimes like he'll just do it for attention and i'll look like an asshole because i'm sitting i'm like i know he hasn't hurt himself but he'll like yeah, lie yeah. there on the ground he had one bag like, look at this lazy bastard. yeah i know this shit dad but you know it's made him tougher and it's i think it's actually evolved him very yeah. quickly um i've taken the bmx track and people are like he actually pumps corners i'm like well i haven't been able to teach him that because i can't ride bmx anymore like i can ride a dirt bike but I can't, like, I haven't got to that stage yet. Like, he can ride a dirt bike, but I want to wait till he's four. Yeah. Um, he can't, he's written an O-set um, before and he rides that fine. But, I, like, with the Wee, he can touch the pegs, but he can't touch the ground and he doesn't need training mm. wheels. So, that was another thing. Like, I remember I was at a, I, I got him a pedal bike and I put one training wheel on, not two. And his dad, I took him to like a, a school that had like a resi floor, like a soft floor. Oh, yeah. So like if he fell, like yeah. it wasn't going to hurt him like as if it was on concrete. He had a helmet on all that stuff. And his dad, his kid was like probably seven, was still on training wheels. And AJ was just after his second birthday. So he was pretty little. But I could see that he wanted to do it. Yeah. And like I, me being me, and I was sort of had a bit of money. I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to get him a good, I brought him a brand new like specialized VMAX and put like one training wheel on and dad's like why are you doing that i'm like well they're not going to learn to balance if they've got two things stopping them from balancing it's yeah. not going to teach him any it's just going to teach him bad habits and his dad's like well what if he crashes i'm like well what if he does crash he's 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 going to learn to put his foot out yeah it's going to end up being a natural thing and so aj goes to take off crashes and then the next time he goes to take off he puts his foot out and catches himself on that side that the the, the yeah. training wheel wasn't on and then he then when i saw him starting to lean on the left side i'd stop him and not and tell him it. i'd switch it yeah dude that makes so much sense and then like he'd, he'd take off and crash and he's like oh hang on if i put my foot out i stopped myself from crashing because i made sure that he could touch the ground if i, yeah. I wouldn't have done that if i knew he couldn't touch the ground like yeah. i'm not an asshole but i knew that he had to learn that natural cognitive cognitive response to just yeah. put your foot out and then within five minutes man he ditched the ditched them and like literally this dad cracked it and grabbed his kid and put his kid in the car and drove off no way and i was like i think that we 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 don't give our kids enough credit for what yeah, they can actually what do can what they can achieve and i think like no one wants to see their kid get hurt 100 percent. i don't want to see my kid get hurt he had a really bad stack a few weeks ago like i, I at the bmx track he's got all the best gear mm. people are like why have you got a full face helmet on him you spend three four hundred dollars on a helmet I'm like you see what happens to someone if they hit their head mm. three four hundred bucks is nothing yeah. and he he had a he got a bit cocky and like there was like a, a down ramp of a at the pro jump and then had like would normally be a double but like he could roll it and it was so steep that he was actually jumping like airing off each little mound 
and then I literally watched him and I could just see straight away like I'm not good at maths but like I could see this is not gonna end well yeah. he had too much head over the handlebars and he was going quick and he um he had the first one and then just nosed it straight into the second and it was just nothing but face and his whole back of his legs came over the top of his head and I actually I got it on camera I'm like fuck it no more there's no more bikes I'm done like I yeah. just literally thought I watched my son break his neck and um because I've never reacted when he's crashed it was my reaction that scared the shit out of me. yeah yeah and um like he blew the peak off it was one of those new ones that like the magnetic ones oh, so like yeah. it, i think that helped save him a lot and um it was my reaction that scared the shit out of him because he'd never seen me lose it yeah i wasn't losing it him i was losing it, it was like that it was just like, what the fuck am crash. i doing yeah. you know like am i pushing my kid like i don't i don't but like am i letting him do too much yeah we were too young and literally once he was walking around and like we made sure he was good i was just like no we'll keep the bike and you know getting a, like a new race bike like it's not a week later <laughs> but yeah it's crazy how much they teach you like he's definitely made me a better person yeah um even going through the the marriage breakup and stuff like that you know it i at the start oh, we were talking about it the other day at breakfast you know like i think mental health is such a huge thing and when i think that we were sort of over a long uh, probably about 18 months before we we were over um but i tried to hang on i'm not someone that likes to give up and you know you've got to fight for everything and i never wanted to not have my son in my life and you don't want to give up on a marriage you don't get married to someone to just give up mm. but then when we did it was finally like when we we're at sort of a financially good point like we battled through so many things and never having money and then we finally got to a spot where we had yeah had yeah. A, like we had a future and then it was done but my biggest thing I, I i missed was just seeing my son every day and it was the only time i got emotional was one time i, like, I called my mom or my dad and i'm like i just miss coming home to aj and i could have focused on that but then i realized i needed to focus on when i did have him to make sure that i made every moment count yeah like we go out to breakfast like i save my ass off all week and um we go out and have fun my, my mates come over like my single ma young mates come over and hang out friday saturday nights yeah it's just the boys all the time like it, and i made sure i made it count and now our bond just became so strong it was yeah. ridiculous um i got a cabin up on the river i'd take him up to the river and he'd never leave my side and i'm like come on, buddy you go with the other kids and now like he just he doesn't hang out with kids his age he hangs out with kids like six to 14 yeah. it's crazy like he's just so that's why he has to go to daycare at least once a week so he's hanging out with kids his age but yeah it's it's crazy the bond and growth that we've had and you know when you feel like everything's turned to shit around you and everything's crumbling it's so easy to focus on that yeah and what i've learned through going through my injury and just meeting other dads and stuff like that you know i mean i met dads that like haven't seen their kid for six years yeah just because they their chick cracked the shits because they started dating someone else and like you know it's it's crazy that something can, like that can happen and it's happening to so many dads it's a it's a pretty gnarly problem eh because 100%. like in terms of the law itself it's so heavily pushed towards the side of the mother yeah i think it's a little different now but um yeah it's like they definitely and uh, you know what we didn't push them out yeah i, like, mean, I, I get and that I get, and i get like, the and, sides and of the they, argument but yeah. I, I think in terms of like you said like a, a son having their father or you know like well, a father both, to yeah. a you know a, like a father to a daughter yeah you know like how many chicks do you know that have fucked up that have got like 
gnarly daddy issues. Yeah. Like that's a stereotype for a reason, you know. Yeah, I've never let them sit on my lap either. By the way, I do go to strip clubs, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I um, yeah, I think I just that's one thing that I just I, I realized, and I'm glad that I I, I learned to focus on that was. I could focus on the fact that everything crumbled around me, but then now, like, I'm happier. Like, I feel like I'm Josh again. Like, this is the longest I've been away from him for 10 days. Yeah. And I literally nearly cancelled my trip three days in just to fly home and be with him. But I had to push past that because, you know, I I need to make more progress with my talks. I need to find myself again and rebuild because, you know, I was in a a relationship for eight years and regardless in a good or bad way you'd you'd lose yourself in one way or another yeah and i found that you know having aj like it's funny because on my instagram i have i'm aj's dad because it's a little small joke between me and my mates because like they used to always hang out with me because they wanted to hang out with aj so i just became aj's dad yeah i wasn't like woody anymore and um yeah it was cool that like i had him to keep me focused but then i had to find myself again and so i pushed through like I was crying a night, man. Like Sunday night, I was in. It was the first night I was by myself, and I'd fucking cry myself to sleep. I was like looking at photos of him and shit. And then I was like, but I'm not becoming stronger and better in myself by just almost giving up. Yeah. It's not giving up, but it's like it's an easy way out. Just I could have just jumped on a plane and had him in my arms within you know twelve hours. But yeah. then I was like, no, I've got to. I'm here for a reason. I'm here to meet new people and do things and catch up with people and I, I want to make sure I don't waste this time and, you yeah. know, rebook schools and stuff like that. And so, yeah, it, 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 it is tough, but, like, you know, I think it's, you know, how many families, like, their parents get deployed and stuff like that or mm. FIFO families where the mum or dad has to fly out and they don't see their kids for two, three weeks. So, like, I can't complain about that. Mm. You know, I've got to focus on the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm making a better future for me and him. So, um yeah it's been good it's been a good trip and definitely learn a lot about myself and i can't wait to see him tonight <laughs> it's yeah, gonna be good so you, oh yeah so you'll get back there yeah you're flying at three um yeah so let's backtrack a little bit to like your injury and obviously we've like referenced it a bit yeah but um like i guess yeah we'll sort of get stuck into that story yeah because i don't know the full story so um i don't know how far you want to go back like so my background um i used to race bmx as a kid and then my parents uh, moved around a bit so like it was really hard to do that um i was probably would have gone further with motocross but because my mum lived in the city and my dad lived in the country even though they were married at the time it was really hard to like chase all the racing plus the money um so like i started skiing at two and then snowboarding was so accessible because i lived in mansfield so like mm. i literally jumped on the bus or my mates dads all worked up there so like i always got up to the snow so snowboarding like i, I started riding snowboards back in like 91 92 like when there was no snowboarders like we used to get ski poles thrown at us like when we we're in yeah right. like kids in the chairlift and we'd wait for them and like punch on it was like crazy and like there was like i think maybe 15 of us on a hill of like thousands of skiers but i loved it i just thought it was cool it was different um it was completely untouched back then and i was never like a like i wasn't a great snowboarder but like i i, I progressed but like some of my mates were like insane um and like they'd go to junior worlds and they'd come third in the world and stuff like that and then i started like kind of getting over it and i was i moved back to the city and 
I started focusing back on my BMX and my motocross and stuff like that. I brought a bike and I brought a bike not long before my accident and um, tried to quit the school, school a few times. I just wasn't academically smart. Like I, I'm not good at maths. I'm not good at English. And I just always felt like I was trapped when I was at school. And um, I went on exchange to Switzerland and I went snowboarding over there and like do the snowboarders I was riding with were insane. Like they used to get deals from Burton every autumn to ride and they're like no I don't want to have to ride for someone like they used to wear like the shittest snowboard gear and like the shittest snowboards and they're still some of the best snowboarders I've ever seen like unknown snowboarders but that's who I rode with like guys that like would get and this is like back in mid to late 90s and they were were getting offered like 40 50 grand by Burton to like ride for them and they're like no so they'd work their ass off through summer and autumn and then they'd just quit their job and they'd just snowboard every day through winter and and spring and um riding with them like their caliber was so much higher than mine and just my snow and my school didn't want me at the at the school when i went on exchange they're like because i was like i've never been diagnosed with adhd i just think i'm just a normal kid like just yeah i don't like to just sit around so my teacher at the school's like you just go snowboard and like the legal age over there was 16 i turned 16 while i was over there so like i was going out and partying with like these 25 year olds and stuff like that that we're oh, snowboarding shit. with and and riding and then my riding just went through the roof when i rode with them like i learned how to build jumps better and stuff like that and um like as the story i told you about going in the cliff face and like i pushed myself and then i came back to australia and i was kind of bored with the snowboarding back here i enjoyed it but i, I kind of finished school and um i decided i was going to try and pick up my motocross career and um do it on my own back and my mate was literally like let's go snowboard and they've had a, a fresh dump really early before the snow season so let's go up and i was like oh fuck it yeah I kind of like my small sponsors that i had i kind of said look i'm not going to snowboard anymore i'm just going to focus on my dirt bikes and see where that takes me because i love the dirt bikes i was a better dirt bike rider than i was a snowboarder i just never went anywhere with it because of the financially yeah and so i went up snowboarding and i think because i didn't have the pressure of knowing i had to travel i knew i didn't have to worry about financially worrying about snowboarding i knew i didn't have sponsors like it wasn't like big time sponsors but it was like sponsors that you know i had to do things for still i didn't have any of those worries and i rode the best i'd ever ridden and i was like fuck it maybe i might just give it one last chance and i gave myself two weeks and i was a cocktail barman at the time i quit my three jobs that i had and i i had two weeks i gave myself my mum and i gave myself two weeks to find a job and start my snowboard career again and literally i drank alcohol every single night and partied and snowboarded every day and did not look for a job and i had a job interview at four o'clock on a sunday arvo and on a saturday night i've been talking about doing this this jump for like across a cat track and we had a heap of rain that night before and then one of the boys are like well you should go for a walk up the road to the other side of the mountain where the rain didn't hit and try and find a jump over that side and so we i left the pub and i remember one of my coaches said to me woody i don't want you to do this jump he goes i, I could have a i could have a deal for you that you know could potentially help you be go pro in a couple of years if you prove yourself to this company and i'm like yeah fuck it yeah whatever now i won't do the jump just blew him off so i could get him out of my way and 
because I was better at border cross. Like I loved border cross. Like I could, I loved doing big jumps. Like I wasn't someone that was really good at tricks, but like I loved border cross and I loved doing just as big a jumps as I could. And um, the next day, I we we were walking along the road and it was a new road they just built, and um, we sort of scouted a few spots. And my mates really didn't want to do the jump. It was sort of more my my thing. And there was one where it was like it was fucking huge but it was more safe like because it was up from a higher level it was more of a drop off but the downside was of the down ramp was it was there was not enough snow and there was heaps of big boulders and stuff so it was just too dangerous so we kept walking along and then i found a spot where it sort of came down and almost like dropped a little bit and then the road and then but the down ramp was sick like it was heaps of snow so i like i never ever motocross is the same you never want to under jump you always plan to over jump if anything like you never want to come short so like i just planned i'm just always just hitting it as hard as i could so for i found a spot that i felt like was still a huge gap but still sort of technically safe um, i think we ended up counting out it was like anywhere between 70 to 85 feet it was somewhere around that range i mean fuck it was young kids man like i was the oldest out of the whole group and um the boys sort of came back and forth through the day and um luke trambath known as dingo now um so you knew dingo all the way back then oh way before then yeah that's crazy i knew dingo when he was like oh it's yeah i call him dingo now because everyone else does but like he used to be tramby back then like he was like 11 or 12 no shit and he was like a mad little snowboarder and um he was like my little brother and so he was i think about 12 13 14 at the time and Luke and my best mate Daniel Shields kept saying, Woody, you don't have to do this jump. Like, we don't care if you walk away. Like, this is fucking stupid. And I just had this tunnel vision. Like, I just wanted to do it. I kind of felt like it was going to catapult my career. Yeah. Um, we had a camera where we were going to take shots and then put it into, like, one of the snowboard mags. And hopefully, you know, that that pushed my, um, my career. And I, I kind of wanted... I always made excuses in over the years of why i couldn't do jumps i was like fuck it i'm gonna do this like this is what everyone's been talking about it's gonna catapult my career never ever thought i was gonna get hurt like i've thought at the worst i might break my legs but i know it sounds retarded now but like back then when you're 18 yeah that, that's like terrible what's so bad about it? like that's might wreck my snowboard but it's not that bad like yeah. i'll still survive and so long story short i came in at it and i'd done a few speed checks and as I've come in at Dingo was holding my hands at the top and sort of slung shot me in and just before I did he's like Woody like we really don't want you doing this I'm like stop being fucking pussies I'm gonna fucking do it so just I'll see at the bottom of the hill and he's like all right so I literally forced my mates into doing this and they slung shot me in and as I'm coming at it I'm like checking my speed making sure my board's as flat as possible making sure I wasn't on my toes or my heels I was just going at it with as much speed as possible and literally you know that like that invisible line which is like the point of no return yeah yeah no, no coming back to yeah that. yeah so like i used to like get to that just before that and i'd pull out and get all angry at myself and you fucking idiot rah, 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 and then storm back up and i'd lose my fear and just have anger with this time was the first time i'd ever gone past that point of no return in my first attempt yeah and i literally remember going past that invisible line and that split second that i went fuck you're committed and my mind was so used to always pulling out at that time that split second of self-doubt completely fucked everything 
and I remember I remember feeling the nose of the board hit hit the transition and straight I was like it's too steep it's too short and steep because oh. I'd never actually hit it with speed like I'd hit it but like not with speed yeah and I just and it just killed all your momentum it killed all my momentum and I just went on my heels and it flipped me upside down and then I remember like looking at the road as if you're looking at the roof and I just remember thinking fuck you're gonna hit the gutter and like I was trying to like wind the windows down I was like land on your arms and legs and just break your arms and legs like that was my best option and anyone in action sports or even just been in a car accident the whole world slows down and so like I'm trying to plan how I'm gonna land on my legs and arms and just break them and I literally like went up and I was flying through the air and my momentum just stopped and I just pin dropped and I remember looking coming at the asphalt and I had a helmet on I had like that Danese body armor like the turtle shell like the little vest thing and I had that on and right at the last minute I just tucked my head and C7's the bone that when you lean forward it sticks out yeah, between the okay. shoulder blades and that literally took the whole brute force of my my crash like i fell from like i think it was like 16 feet or 18 feet something like that straight into asphalt i came like seven feet short or something like that um it's a bit of a blur now because it's been 18 years and i remember my chin hitting my chest and i heard the first initial crunch of the bone and then when i bounced off the road i remember hearing the back of my helmet hit the Danese body armor in between my shoulder blades oh. my head flicked back so far back i remember hearing the, my knees hit my ears and the edge of my board hit the asphalt the metal edge hit, so just full crumbled. i completely just folded myself in half and then when my neck flung back that's just when i heard the explosion of my neck completely exploding and um i kind of like ragdolled for a second i literally just nearly stopped at a dead stop like i, I sort of rolled a little bit but that was it but my heels sort of gripped on and my body kept rolling. So I was like a towel that had been wrung out. Yeah. Uh, my left arm was trapped underneath my body. I was lying on my side, but my hips were twisted around so that my both heels were still touching the ground, if that makes sense. Yeah. So I was sort of like twisted. And I knew straight I'd broken my neck. I was never knocked unconscious. Like, thank God now that I wasn't. And all I could remember, like, I don't know if you've had a hard hit where everything goes silent. Yeah, and then you start like, hearing and that. Yeah. Yeah. And that... And then all I could hear was like the boys screaming and then hearing their snowboard boots running down the hill and like, is he alive? Is he alive? And all I remember is just telling them, don't fucking touch me. I've broken my neck. And like, well, what do we do? And then one of the boys ran up to the medical center. And so you could still talk. And I could still talk. And I felt like my, I thought my neck had come out through my chest and I made Dingo like check my chest because I'm like, I just need to know because I just, if it is, I'll just give up like I literally just in my head I was like I'll just give up and he's like nah he like quickly rubbed it he was 14 at the time or 15 at the time man and um he rubbed my chest and he's like no nah, no nah, you're all good and I said well you need to hold my head because I can't hold it and my head was like shaking and I literally detached my head from my shoulders and so Dingo like 14 15 is like holding my head and then my other mate Daniel he rang mum straight away because mum's fix everything obviously i was like ring mum because he was freaking out and um i was like literally giving everyone jobs and then the boys like packing snow around my hips and, and my stomach so i couldn't roll because i'm like you need to keep me still and dingo laid down behind i uh, sat down behind me and held my head for like i think it took them 20 minutes to get to me because they thought it was a car i think they thought it was a car accident because my friend ran up to the medical center which was only like as a crow flies like 100 meters 
but it took them 20 minutes to get to me because I think they thought it was a car accident so they're getting everything to, oh, for a car for accident a car, yeah. it wasn't the dumb local kid trying to jump the road and so for 20 minutes I laid there and like all I could think of was fuck this was not worth it like I, and there was no reverse there was no undoing it like this was reality this is life and I've completely just fucked everything not just trying to prove a point but just trying to push the limits too far and not everything's worth it and um like I just remember just lying there just thinking what are you what are you gonna do like what what have we got to do and I just kept thinking stay awake stay awake and then I just start drifting off and the boys like Woody stay awake you gotta stay awake and then they the medics finally got there long story short they put me on the stretch and I always wore black gear and I had green and gold snowboard boots and I remember they put me on the stretcher and then I remember they picked my legs up and as they put my legs up on the stretcher I remember seeing my got green gold boots and I'm like fuck if I cut myself in half like I couldn't feel it I couldn't feel my legs so the whole time you're on the road at the start and you're like giving people jobs and stuff have you thought about the fact that you couldn't move your legs I didn't try moving it? anything but was there like a weird feeling where couldn't, it went numb felt like, it literally feels like there's a rock being pushed in your back so you just had like back pain I just had neck pain and but like I because I didn't the... well because I didn't try and move so I didn't know I couldn't move yeah because like I stayed still um and, and what so you hadn't even thought of like that you were paralyzed oh no yet. I knew I was fucked oh so you knew you were paralyzed I didn't know how bad yeah okay I knew like I you know I knew I'd broken my back two years before in Switzerland uh. um so I knew but then I, I I could still sort of do things with my legs um but yeah with the with the this one like i knew it was yeah, yeah there was there was no doubt in my mind that like i'd done something really bad and that's why i didn't move so they put my uh, my legs in the stretch and then my right arm kept falling off my chest i don't thought i'd rip my shoulder oh. out and they put my and i said to the medics or i think it might have been Schiltzy, i said can you put my hand back up on my chest i think i've ripped my shoulder out and um every time I put my hand on my chest my arm would just fall off the stretcher and then the the um, ski patrol said squeeze my fingers I'm like well hold my hand and he's like I am holding your hand Ugh. and then I because I, I couldn't look and I said well let me see my hands and he lifted his hands up in front of me and he's like alright squeeze my fingers and I remember he had his fingers like that in my hand and nothing there was just nothing and it was just like like that's when it slowly started hitting me a little bit like reality yeah like reality but just like how bad it was because i hadn't tried to move man i think because i i stayed still yeah and then they took me out the medical center i remember i I would not let schiltzy leave my my, by my side and he had to like it was a steep hill to get back to the medical center and he i remember watching him run along next to the ski patrol uh, the ski patrol car to get me back up there and then they took me into uh, emergency and I could hear them talking about me and all I could hear was them saying, well, we don't think he's going to survive the ambulance. We don't think it'll survive a helicopter, but the helicopter is probably the best option. But we can't put him, we can't knock him out because he won't come out of it. So they had to gavage me to keep my airways open. So they had to put a tube down my throat while I was awake. Oh. And so like, they're shoving this big chew down my throat like obviously you're going uh, trying to gag yeah. but you can't because i've got a broken neck like i can't i'm trying not to move anything yeah 
So they they gavaged me while I was awake. But so you're obviously like able to breathe and shit by no. yourself. I could barely breathe. Really? Yeah, I could. Oh. I, like my breathing was like really light. Like I, I, it was like I was out of breath. But I, I I couldn't talk and stuff. And then they had to put a tube down my nose because I had to open all my airways in case something happened in the, in the flight home. And so they had to put the tube down, this little tube down my nose, which you've seen probably people like yeah. when they're in hospital. And every time they push it, like they couldn't get it past because like obviously I was awake, so they couldn't shove it down because most people when that happens, they're out they cold. Just, yeah, they jam it down there. So I had to snort it. And they're like, you have to sniff. So every time I sniffed, I'll go like that. And I'd tense my neck and I felt like pieces of bone like fall oh. off my neck. It was like sand, like sand grinding in my neck. And after that, like that was sort of enough for me it just sort of i passed out after that dude and then i remember the next memory i have is coming out on the stretcher and i was all completely gurned up and all i had was just my face out and like i had like 20 30 mates and it was the opening weekend of school holiday weekend and the exit and the only place the helicopter could land was the only place everyone could ski out of oh. and it was right into the, the day so like they had to shut the whole mountain off and like i'm like oh you don't have to do this for me like We'll figure out another way. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, I'm pissing everyone off. And, and like, I just saw the fear in all my mates' eyes because they hadn't seen me since I got taken in originally. Oh, yeah. And um, I remember that they, they tracked me across the helicopter and they put me in the helicopter and the pilot's like, you're going to be all right. And I'm like, well, you're not the one with the broken neck, are you? So it's easy for you to say that. And then literally the clouds rolled in and the helicopter couldn't get off the... They were in between two oh. chairlifts. So my mate's dad, who worked on the mountain, got his skidoo and the the helicopter had to hover above the skidoo so the skidoo could see how to get out and they had to hover. Are you serious? Yeah, and like apparently a couple of people, like a couple of the lifties coming home, like because it was a complete whiteout. There was like this helicopter hovering like just off the ground. And then when they got to a certain point where they could elevate away from the chairlifts, like they got me out of there. And I remember I came in. And they flew me into Austin Hospital. My mum and dad were there and a couple of family members. And I remember just feeling the cold in my face. That's what woke me up. And I remember when they came through the doors, I saw my mum and dad and I literally watched their hearts break. And um, mum was kind of wrapped because like she had um, ambulance cover. Oh, yeah. So like she was lucky that like they didn't have to travel up to Mount, uh, Mount Buller to get me um that that stage they had no idea how bad it was they just knew it hurt my back that's all i knew um they didn't know i was paralyzed or anything and i remember just looking at mom and dad and i was just like fuck it's not just my life i've fucked up it's it's everyone's it's my mates i watched my mates hearts break i'm looking at my mom and dad and they're trying to hold back tears and like i okay so i wasn't really seen like so i said to my mom and dad i need to tell you something and like you can't get pissed off at me but this is pretty important i need to tell you this and they're like yeah what's up mate and i'm like well i'm not really seeing these girls but like there's three different girls like i'm hanging out with at the moment so like can you make sure they don't come in at the same time because i don't want a cat fight <laughs> <laughs> and mum and dad are laughing and they're like oh he's not too bad and dad's giving me a little bit of a nudge like oh yeah well, like we didn't have facebook back then i would have been screwed but yeah i, I kind of made a joke and their mum's like it's really good that like you know josh is joking still he's going to be fine my, my son's still got his humor that's all we need and the doctor pulled my mum aside and he said you don't and my mum said we can see his heart beating that's amazing you know it means he's strong and the doctor pulled my mum aside and he said mrs 
Mrs. Ledson, you don't get it. And he's, she's like, get what? He's like, your son's probably going to die in the next three days. The reason you can see his heart beating is because his heart and his brain are the only two organs that are working. He said, your son will never get out of bed. Really? And um, they had to do surgery, so they take bone from my hip. They cut my throat from here to here, and they pull everything to the side. They get a chisel and hammer and hammer chunks of bone off my hip and turn it into like a paste, and they take all the bone that I've destroyed and then rebuild. It's insane what they can do. Like, And this was like 20... Uh, 18 years ago. It's like 2000. Yeah. And... Um, so it was a long time ago and but that was pretty up to date oh dirt was up to date back then but like it was like, do they still do the same thing now i'm unsure but i i know that they it's pretty similar um but i know that what those surgeons did helped set me up and so i woke up at like I remember, so what are they, so what do they do with the paste then so they turn into like a paste and rebuild the bone that i've destroyed like they they basically like remold the bone and then they put a plate in front of it I'm not 100% technically sure what they do, but all I know is that they took bone from my hip. They turned it into like a paste that obviously cures into like bone again. Mm. And so I've still got the plate to this day in the front of my throat. So they joined C5 to T1, but C7 was where I did the main damage. Um, so the higher you go, the more you lose. Mm. So where C7 cuts off is like across the shoulders and down your arm so normally i think you can use like maybe your 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 pointer finger but then you lose like these fingers mm. or it's like you lose it's it's just insane like how it all works like you literally move that much higher or lower and it will change your life completely um and so yeah i um i remember i woke up at like three in the morning i could feel where they'd cut my throat I was like, fuck, I can't get out of bed. Like, they put restraints on me. I must have, like, lost it and tried to fight one of the doctors. And I felt, like, this fluffy thing under my hand, so I pushed on it. It was a buzzer. And the nurse came in, and she's like, oh, what's wrong, Mr. Wood? And I'm like, I can't move. Can you get the restraints off my arms? And she's like, there's no restraints on your arms. I'm like, why can't I move my arms? She's like, I'll get the duty doctor in. And he came in, like, 15 minutes later. And... um this is not a word of a lie like he just i was 18 year old kid man i had no idea and he walked in and he said what's your problem mr wood and i'm like well you guys have obviously fucked up the surgery like i'm still paralyzed and he's like all you action sportsmen are the same you're not happy until you're paralyzed or dead and he basically congratulated me and said you'll never get out of bed you've you've done your ultimate goal and like that just all i had all i had was hope and he completely took it away. So I buzzed again and the nurse came in and I said, can you bring so my... So how are you, you could use your finger? I could use like enough pressure in my hand to push down with my right... I'm assuming my right hand. My left hand came back quicker, but my right hand could work a little bit better at that stage. So I pushed down with my right hand on this buzzer and she came in and I said, I want you to bring my mum in. And um, she's like, it's three o'clock and I said, bring my fucking mum in now. So they rang my mum. Mum came in like she was in... Port Melbourne so like it took her about 20 minutes to get in she turned on her pajamas and she she just she walked in she goes those fucking bastards told you didn't they I said mum I don't want to be like this I said I hated being indoors when I was in school now I'm gonna be a prisoner in my own body like what kind of life is this gonna be I remember my grandma came in and she tried to hug me and she was so short I couldn't even touch her just to, to let her know it was okay my mates would come in and they go to give me a high five or shake my hand and I couldn't even lift my hands up to like shake my own mate's hands 
And all I could think of was, like, who's going to want to hang out with this? What girl's going to want this? Like, I was 18, man. Like, I was realistically yeah. the, the pinnacle of, like, where you start living. And I'd fucked it all for a jump. And, um, yeah, I just remember, th- I just, I literally tried to bully my mum into killing me. I'm like, you need to fucking kill me. If you're a mother, you're going to do this for me. You're going to take me into a paddock and you're going to shoot me. And you're going to put me into this hole. Like, that's my pl- That was my plan. And I... And were you saying this in hospital? Like, to mum, yeah. Told you? Yeah. If I had a button to press to end my life, I would have done it. Mm. Because of what one person told me. One person had learnt what he was talking about through a book. And I would have pressed that button. I wouldn't even rang mum. And... Um, my mom had just done like this massive Anthony Robbins thing and like she thought she could take on the world and she, my mum's a pretty high-end businesswoman back then she was like she was a badass she was like one of the first women in financial planning and stuff like that so like she didn't take any shit she's like well I'm not killing you and you can't kill yourself so we're gonna start making goals and I'm like well fuck I can't make anything because I can't do anything and so my goal was that once I got better I'd just kill myself and so I woke up the next morning and I had this I remember you have a nightmare you wake mm. up the nightmare's gone i remember i woke up and my nightmare woke up with me i hadn't slept i was still awake the whole time i thought i'd fallen asleep because i was saying in and out of what was going on i woke up with my nightmare and i realized i had two two choices to make either let the doctors win or i use the way they treat me as a push to go after an unachievable goal and so I decided that I was going to start fighting from that day. And no matter what, no matter what anyone said, if someone had anything negative to say, I deleted them. I had nothing to do with them. And that's probably kind of the heavy thing now is like when someone fucks with me or someone does something wrong, I just delete and just keep moving forward. And I then started bringing in like my mum's friends were like all psychics and stuff like that. So I started bringing in people like I didn't like, like all the tree hugging hippie people that smell like mothballs and that's probably why I can't stand mothballs anymore but like you know I brought in people like that were completely right afield that had nothing to do with doctors and stuff like that I brought my my, I brought my Cairo in that was my Cairo for two years prior that I'd been through a lot so I knew what he could do and he never did any manipulation but I I, I knew his word was more alternative than it wasn't a structured he wasn't a structured Cairo he was more of a um, an open minded chiropractor they wouldn't let him in so he had to come in as my snowboard coach because he was a chiropractor so he came in as my snowboard coach we'd pull like the blinds around and he'd do like the he'd get like this wheel that had like pins on it and he'd rub it up and down and he'd like touch my forehead and then he'd touch my hand and touch my forehead and touch my hand and he'd go imagine what that feels like on your hand and like we just did that back and forth back and forth back and forth and then um the lady who did the massage therapy she used to work through spiritual guides this is all shit like i never believed in and she started doing all this massage therapy and like she was doing this shit like i felt like i was floating off the i felt like i was floating off the bed she'd have her finger behind the back of my head and doing this thing with her hands and i could feel my head spinning and she wasn't touching me i didn't know what she was doing um she was talking about chakras and all this stuff i'm like what the fuck's a chakra like i haven't been i don't know like but all i knew was that these people were giving me hope yeah and they believed in it they believe they believed that there was one way or another we could build a team to get to where I could be, and um, 
so I made goals. Like, obviously, my big goal was to walk again, but I had to make small, achievable goals. I remember I had this itchy nose. It used to drive me fucking nuts. And, like, it doesn't sound like bad because we can just itch our nose. But when yeah. you're paralyzed and you can't itch your nose, it is the most frustrating thing you'll ever go through. So I was like, oh, how do you itch your nose? Like, it was just a normal thing. Like, I'd do it without knowing. So I started thinking about doing my snowboard or my helmet, sorry, my motocross helmet up and like doing the straps up while brushing my teeth, things that like, I started imagining that in my head. And then the first day, yeah, so my first day, my hand came like off my chest a little bit. And the third day, like my hand came up to here. And the fifth day, it came in so hot, I nearly broke my nose, but I started like itching my nose with like my hand. Like I couldn't do anything. It was just like a piece of meat. Like a limp. But I was just like doing- Could you feel it? I couldn't really feel my hands, but I could feel my nose. And that's all I cared about. So you could- you were moving a limb you couldn't feel yeah just through like your mind my mindset fuck that's insane eh? it was ting like there was bits of burning like i could feel so like you know when you've had a dead leg or something and it wakes up and you get that burning sensation that's called neurogenic pain so i've had that for 18 years non-stop it's never and that's from my neck to my toes and so i had neurogenic pain in like parts of my body so instead of they normally give you drugs to get rid of that feeling where I made the choice to not take those drugs because that horrible feeling gave me a connection. Mm. I, I didn't cut off that connection because what they try to do is they give you all these drugs. Like there are some drugs you need, like blood thinners and stuff like that, but they give you all these drugs that deaden everything where my outlook was, yes, it's a horrible pain. So is it like walking give, on a... Pins and needles. Pins yeah, and needles. Yeah, yeah. Well, so that, that's what your whole body felt like. But worse really it's, it's worse pain still feel like that now? yeah 100% I've still got that 18 years later through my whole body so when you walk now oh when I walk now it just hurts to walk when I go to bed that's when it hurts the most like yeah, sitting down yeah. now I can, my, I can feel my legs burning but like it doesn't bother me it's sort You're of night nights where it is hard so yeah I just started like um, so what do they they give you the drug to try and stop that yes I just stopped I just figured out which ones were that and I'd fuck them off does that drug fuck you up though again it has side effects no I I think I mean everyone's different that's the hardest thing and where I've got to be careful how I talk about my injury because everyone's different it's no black and white with a spinal cord injury um you know what you remember Bronnie Holland he broke it because that's what I was going to say yeah Bronnie did literally did exactly the same injury as me like nearly to the T of how it looked. But yet his arms and hands were always like normal where my arms and hands took longer. And he didn't really have much pain. He had a little bit of pain, but not like I did. But yet his legs didn't work as quick as mine did. So it's just, it's so hard and you gotta be really careful what you say because every every yeah. every single person is completely different. Like, did, did he pass away from drugs that were associated with the... The, the injury because like I never knew that story um, so like there's a thing called um, I think Brad and Barney might have talked about on your podcast called uh, hyper I still don't even 18 years I still don't even know how to hell this pronounce it hyper dysreflexia yeah so it's like when there's a problem with your body your body shuts down yeah so like as far as I know you know it's obviously it's, you'd be very respectful of what you say because yeah. no one knows yeah but i think what happened with Bronny was that he was sick that week and he took a sleeping tablet and i think what happened is like it's, and it's happened to me um i nearly died off xanax because like I, I had it all the time and then one time i was sick and i had it and it, my body just completely 
just gave out. Because gave out. I nearly died. Like my, I had a seizure in front of my mum. And Bronny was still quite early in his injury. And so like this happened to me 15 years later. So I could read my body a lot better. I think what's happened with Bronny was that he was probably, oh, I know he was sick and he'd had a tablet and I think he'd had a reaction to it. Mm. And it had triggered this hyper dysreflexia because he was asleep. And I think it just, as far as I, like, as far as I know, and as far as I've ever, dude, it was just one thing losing him. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, like, as far as like my side of things with spinal cord injury, that's what I feel happened is yeah. that he'd had a, a reaction. And, um, and it's happened to plenty of people. That was since. a sad fucking day, dude. Oh, dude, any time you lose someone, but man, fuck, he had so much fight. We literally, the first year, we just spent like so much time together i i literally didn't speak to another person with spinal cord injury after he passed really i just couldn't do it after he passed and because you invested so much into his recovery in a way oh yeah but then i just like it's it's so brutal man like i can drop off at any day yeah but and like anyone can and and i just it was hard losing Bronny because i i saw me and him you saw a lot of yourself and um I think that's when like I started like well, like I lost four friends in one year like I lost Judd Greedy down at Simmons Plains in the Superbikes and then Bronny passed then my grandma passed and then a year later Maddie McMillan a good mate of mine passed at Tassie uh, sorry at um, Phillip Island on the Superbikes and then a few months later Heath Gilmore who was in hospital with Bronte at the same time he had a reaction to to a tablet he'd had all the time he was sick it's just and he passed you know and so like i kind of when i lost those five people i kind of like fuck i just want to just have fun for a bit and that's where i started like going off the deep end a bit just going a bit dippy well barney said he had like a pretty tough deal with partying too yeah when he first got hurt i do like guys like he's one him and brad are like two of the biggest people that push me to be mm. a better person every day and be grateful for it so many people ask me how are you so happy and like, oh, you know we all have shit days mm. you but you know both those boys you know how genuine they are and i know one percent of what they go through mm. i'll never ever act like i know what they're going through because I, I don't um but they have made me such a stronger person those two boys um but going back to back to being in hospital i remember when I grew up as a kid, my old man on the farm used to, and even my snowboard coaches used to teach me the hard way. Like my snowboard coach would make us ride switch with one foot out of the binding at six in the morning down an icy hill. I'm like, well, why the fuck are you doing this? He's like, well, if you can ride in these kind of conditions, you can ride in anything. So we used to have to learn to carve with our back foot out riding switch on ice. And like my dad would like, my dad, we had this old um, international tractor and he's and I dad dad I want to drive the car so well if you can reverse that tractor with the horse float in between the two cars in the garage I'll let you do it and I was so little I had to stand and I did it first go so I always like kind of my whole point is like I always kind of learned to do things the hard way yeah you embrace the challenge so I remember I never looked into I never had anything to do with any of the other patients and like people like you need to interact you need to know what they're going through I said I don't need to know what they're going through I'm going through my own shit because what happens is they put your their shit onto you and you're going through your own self so you have to battle your own battles so you have to learn to be hard and you have to learn to detach from a situation and 
so what I did was I brought the human anatomy chart in. I remember I got one of my mates to rip it off the wall. I remember seeing it once. And I looked at it and I watched where all the tendons and ligaments go. And then I remember closing my eyes and I imagined a video camera going down my body, down to my big toe. And I figured if I could move my big toe first, then I can work all the way back. And for two weeks, man, I stared at my toe. And two weeks doesn't sound like long, but two weeks in a hospital. Trapped in your own body. In your own body, in your own mind that keeps telling you to give up. And then after two weeks, my big toe just flickered and I went, hang on, did I just do that? And I remember I went, I'm like, fuck, I did it. And then the doctor walked in to do the checks and I said, doc, check this. And I'm like, boom, boom, with my toe. And he's like, well, that's a spastic response. You'll lose it. And I fucking lost it. And I'm like, well, you're a spastic response. I hope I fucking lose you. Rah, rah. Yeah. I'm like, and the whole point of it is, and I bring this story up even in my talks, no matter how much you'll do, no matter how much you'll try and succeed, people always try and bring you down. Yeah. It's how you take it on and improve from that. Why the fuck is that the case though? Because you're proving them wrong. And it's still the same. But this why do day. people have that response? You know, because like, they're too scared. I always think the people that try to bring people down are scared because they could never have had the balls to try and do that. Or it's mm. going against what they were taught. Stuff like that. Like, you know, I remember I got brought into a, a psychologist at rehab and they're like, we don't think you're dealing with your issues. And I'm like, why? And they're like, well, you're happy. And I'm like, well, there's a woman that was in a car accident her husband was being stupid and she got thrown out on the 15th roll of the car and her husband left her a month later because he couldn't deal with what she was going through and she gets around using a little toggle on her chin and she smiles every day so what the fuck have I got to be ungrateful for I put myself in this situation yeah I didn't mean to but I did this so I can't be ungrateful because there's people would love to be like me and I said and I go to the psychologist so have you broken your neck they're like no and I said well what the fuck are you going to teach me then mm. I said I got I, I got no time for bullshit like I and I was I became very hard like that but it was how I survived it was the only way I, I couldn't take on bullshit because I had enough going on like I had enough demons in my head when I was by myself you know I was shitting myself I was pissing myself I had to learn how to use a fucking catheter and you know like I, I lost friends straight away like there was so much other shit that I was going through that anything that was gonna stop me like even now when i get sick my body falls apart even emotional things like you know even when i my marriage fell apart like i didn't realize it took a toll on me physically like my, my walking got worse just everything fucks with you and so that's why i made sure that like i tried to keep my my space as clear and as focused as possible on my recovery so you think like not you think you feel like even like say you get in an argument with your your missus or whatever it'd actually affect you physically if i got really emotional yeah do you reckon that that shit happens to people that don't have spinal cord injuries but there's so much that like you don't think we that much you know i think what's best and it kind of might track off a little bit but i spoke to you about this at breakfast the other day when brad did a post and he said before my accident and i can't quote it word for word but it was along the lines of before my accident if i was angry pissed off stressed or whatever i'd go ride my wakeboard i'd go yeah go ride my wakeboard i'd go for a run i'd go to the gym but now that i have this spinal cord injury i'm trapped in my own brain i have to learn to make my brain stronger and deal with emotions that normally i wouldn't try and deal with and i think that's one thing i was like fuck that's just like made so much sense to me i'm like now i know why i'm so mentally tough because i had a body 
that I was trapped inside of where we have like able-bodied people that have a body and a brain where when you become paralyzed you just have a brain so you need to make that brain strong yeah and you'll see like there's a lot of there's different types there's two different types of people with spinal cord injury there's really bitter angry people and there's really happy people and there's and there's no in between and they and but and, and it's a shit fight every day people look at someone that's paralyzed and they think oh poor you you've lost your arms and your legs it's the mental stuff and they're also they, internal they physical should be saying stuff. like poor you you're trapped inside your brain sort of thing no 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 not at all like it's just more like they say oh poor you but like they're looking at their own fears and they say yeah what their fear would be but they don't think about what everyone else has got like spinal cord injuries and just about being paralyzed you lose your bladder your bowel function you lose a, the feeling of sensation so you can burn your legs like i remember someone flicked a cigarette at a nightclub once and i was in the wheelchair and it fell in the crease of my jeans and it burned a hole in my leg i didn't even feel it didn't know i'd done it until the next day That's my mate's like oh dude your legs on fire and poured a bourbon over it didn't think anything of it and then the next day i was on the toilet and i was like what the fuck and there was a hole in my leg where the cigarette had been sitting there for like 10 minutes burning through my skin didn't even feel it and that's a thing that like people don't get and hopefully there's a better understanding out there is that it's not just about losing your limbs it's about everything man like that's why like i look at brave brad and like he's been doing this standing thing yeah 100 days of 100 days of standing and i said to brad you need to show people what actually it takes for you to get to that yeah and even he's like oh fuck i didn't even think about that like you know i'm like people don't understand like what it takes have you seen all the the breathing stuff these yeah doing? underwater I'm fucking savage dude. Oh, dude i've never met someone that's he more of a humble a human fucking legend yeah like hands down eh and I feel weird when he says it about me. I'm like, no, nah, no way. <laughs> nah. Yeah, hey, you like, got, I got nothing on you. And even Barney, like when Barney talks, I'm like, But nah, it's like, got... he like he, he would see you like that though. Yeah. You know, like there's... We feed off each other. I was going to say, like he knows what you've been through. You know what he's been through. Like, because yeah. that's the thing is like, there's not that many people. Like I can be sympathetic to your situation. Yeah. And I can do what I can to help, but I can't um, relate to it yeah. at all yeah 100 percent. you know i like make the most like the closest thing i can do is like oh is it like walking on a fucking when your foot's asleep it's yeah like, it's just not even a yeah. comparison you know one thing i do and I, I don't know if the boys did this with you if you tuck your fingers in and then you put just your ring finger out and keep your palm pressed against the table can't even do it yeah oh, come on mate not even doing it properly is this right well you got to tuck that one in a little bit more oh this one and then get your palm pressed against the table and try and lift that finger off the table. Oh, yeah. I can't even fucking feel it. You can't feel it. You can't connect to it. That's what's like being paralyzed. That's a tiny, that's tiny... That's fucking crazy. So, like, what I did was I had to learn how to read... Tat, like, that, that's what Barney's done. That's what Brad's doing. Is it doing. not like... Is, that, is it physically possible to lift that finger? Well, if you sat there for two weeks, you'd probably figure it out. That's <laughs> fucked up so that's like i get people to do in talks is like i've just no way try and show you what it's like there's just nothing there like there's nothing there's zero connect i felt zero connection yeah. to my finger but yet like you can just fix that and you're good yeah so I'm like, like Ooh, where where, where we are stuck I don't, I don't want to compare myself to them because they're on a whole different level field to what i am but you know there was a stage where i was like bad and that's why i'm so grateful like i have so many shit days and like i'd trip over and i fall over but then i realize i can get back up and I and I know that there's so many people worse off than me, and their their biggest dreams are my worst nightmares. That's so. like one of the um, that's one of the common things that you find with guys like yourself is like, um, 
you're always very grateful and even brad's great like in in how fucked up brad's situation is yeah he says the exact same thing i'm so grateful because there's people worse off than me yeah there's just this insane gratitude that comes with people like yourself and then you'll meet like a bitter person that's never had anything wrong to them that's what i'm saying it's and that's like, what cooks me I, I can't stand like people suck and like oh god it's so fucking bad or i'm like bro you got no idea well, like even like taking aj to the bmx i remember my first time i took aj to the beach by myself i was scared shitless i'm like what the fuck what? you know i well, can't i can't do it he fucks off on me i can't chase him but i had to let go of that fear and um and then taking to the bmx track but now he's getting more crazy like i need someone there in case shit goes wrong because it's like most of the time it's down the back and like if something bad happens like there's no way i'm getting him out of there yeah we um a couple of weeks ago my buddy zane he had um hip surgery and we took aj to the skate park and he's at the skate park and he's doing all this insane shit on a bike he's like i want to play in the playground takes his helmet off slips on the playground and splits his head open and Zane's on crutches, like just had hip surgery. I'm on a walking stick. We've got two bikes out there. We've got a kid screaming because he's got blood pouring out of his head. And it wasn't because of that. It was more the fear because we, we saw it. We're like, fuck, there's blood. Yeah. And like we looked at the back of his head and like, yeah, that's like black. That's not good. And so I couldn't carry both his bikes. Zane couldn't do anything. I'm like, hey, Jay, you're going to have to ride one of your bikes back to the car. And he's like, got get on his bike and the, just the Strider bike. And um, we, I remember we walked into the emergency, and Zane's on two crutches. I'm yeah, on a walking, walking stick. stick. And we've got this kid with a bloody head walking uh-huh. in, and I'm like, how many people are thinking, what the fuck are these guys doing uh-huh. with this kid? <laughs> but that kind of like, yeah, it's it's. I feel like a lot of people, and my whole point to my stories is, is a lot of people let fear stop them from growing. You can look at Brad you can look at barney you can look at anyone like any even any top athlete they've had to go through a lot of shit to get to where they are and they've had to learn to get through fear they've had to learn to how to self-believe in levels that no one else can self believe in themselves and that's why i love doing my school talks because i want to teach kids young to to not be scared one kid asked me a few years ago at one of my talks what's your biggest regret and I actually for a moment stopped my entire talk and thought about it and my biggest regret was that I never got to be the kid that I wanted to be because I tried to hang out with the crowd and I tried to be the different person I never got to be the kid that appreciated what I had I never got to be the kid that wasn't scared to stand out of the crowd and that's why I try to teach our kids now of our generation because you can see everything's going fucking haywall and it's only going to get worse because that's what those kids are seeing so they need people in their lives to say be different learn to grow as yourself and learn to not worry about standing out in the crowd learn to dream big learn not to be scared at failing and that's what i even talk about the biggest corporates too you know and i also tell people you know also learn to live in the moment too because we're so busy worrying about where our next holiday or what car we're going to get or all their bullshit and i've met so many people that have broken their neck and especially i remember i met this one guy he was a high-end executive and so i don't know, still don't understand how it happens but every time someone breaks their neck they find me and um the family brought me in and um he goes all i want to do is hug my kids and i can't and he said for so many years all i did was focus on work on work that i never thought about the times with my kids 
and he goes all I want to do is hold my kids and I can't now and that hit me and like I was that wasn't even a dad then and um I did a I did some stuff with um Shannon Ponton so he met my mum in Bali and then Shannon you know from Biggest Loser oh the, the, yeah, the, yeah, yeah the yeah, trainer yeah, yeah yeah so shannon and i met um when i brought my book out and he read my book and he brought to me one of his talks and he kind of got me to do the talk with him oh and that's it, pretty cool and yeah it was really cool he's one of, he's one of the only people who can say fuck and it doesn't sound bad <laughs> or tell you that like you're a piece of shit and like yeah, like, I, oh, geez, like man. what you see him on tv is like how he is like he's yeah. just like straight up aussie normal bloke he'll yeah. tell you how it is and so we did this talk and like we were it was like it's one of the top banks in australia and all the top bosses were there and he's going around to the crowd and he's like all right what's your earliest childhood memory what's your earliest childhood memory and they're all saying when i was a kid hanging out with mum and dad and my brother and sister going camping and doing all this shit and everything was always about being a kid being around their family mm. he's like all right everyone put raise your hand so like a hundred hands went up and he said all right drop your hands if you work 40 hours a week and a few hands dropped all right drop your hands if there's 50 hours a week and we got to some ridiculous number it was like 80 or 90 hours a week and there was this one guy with his hands still in the air and shannon goes first of all how the fuck do you even fit 90 yeah. hours of work in your week and second of all when do you spend time with your family and he's like oh well i work from x hour to x hour i get home have dinner with my family talk to my kids around the dinner table then after dinner i go have a shower go to my office do some more work then go to bed shannon goes when do you spend time with your family he's like well what i do is when i get to work and then i get home and then i get sit down at the table and i sit down and talk to my kids and i go do my shower and go back to bed shannon goes when do you spend time with your kids and it fucking hit this bloke like a a brick wall man so he was just giving that response like yeah it was no big deal yeah and he wasn't getting it and shannon's like you don't get what i'm saying yeah, do you? yeah and the guy's like spend time with your kids and he's like that's not time with your kids yeah and um it hit this guy like a ton of bricks and shannon goes go home and ask your son what his earliest childhood memory is and hope the fuck you're in it and like i just literally watched this bloke's fucking heart shatter and it's not about making people quit it's making people prioritize what really is and what should be a priority and um i learned so much from that and that's a big reason why when i was in earth moving yeah i was making consistent money each week but i wasn't having that time with my son and it made me and then obviously my marriage falling apart you know it made my talks i, I lost passion for my talks because it was just the same talk and then when I went through all this shit, I realized that I want to get back and do my talks again. And my talks are so much different now. And I mean, they're always full of passion. But like, you know, I mean, I have at least 15 people pass out a year in my talks because they like, really? especially when I talk about the broken neck part. And now I literally have to come with a warning when I start like, my talks. Graphic. Like the first 15 minutes are heavy. Like I literally will sit there and I'll be scanning through like an auditorium of kids and I'll be like, oh, fuck, he's going to pass out. And I'll literally watch a kid just like slide off the chair and hit the ground. That's so gnarly. But like a, there'll be a table in front of him. I remember I was, at a, I was at a massive event and like I'm always constantly scanning who's who's in front of me. And I remember watching this bloke. I'm like, oh, fuck, he's going to pass out. Next minute, bang, his head hits the table and passes. That's insane. And it's just like, I don't know if people like hold their breath or whether they just got a good imagination or whether it's just too much. But yeah, now I like, I literally, since I started pre-warning people, it's less. 
but it's pretty crazy but but I, I want people to feel it i want people to feel the pain that brad and barney and i and every single other person that's lost something feel because then it might make their choices different yeah it might make them think different about their situation it might make them suck less it might make them realize that they want to build or go after something more uh, I, I don't tell people to quit their jobs but i'm saying if you're not happy then figure out what the hell you need to do to make your life better yeah and to be happy because we don't know what's around the corner if i got a photo of me two days before i broke my neck and it was the first photo that actually was a good photo and i got given it and i had no clue that within 24 hours i'd be like trying to survive you know, i remember my my one of my last memories was me and dingo driving up from melbourne like i'd pick him up after school and i'd drive him on fridays back up to the hill and like one of my last memories was being him driving up to the hill and like i had no clue that within 24 hours yeah like it was almost no like, one knows yeah. what's around the corner so appreciate what you've got and that's sort of what i've learned from so much and it's a simple shit that we bypass yeah like even you the other day saying when we caught up like you jumped on your bike and rode down like it's just like for someone that loses everything they lose that ability where you're you're grateful you could just do yeah. that it's like accessible and it's fun and like you watch people that i remember i did a talk and it was for up in i think it was like for cronulla sharks or something like that it was like their junior league or something and one of the dads was there and he actually he he knows barney and um i remember i did my talk and i said sometimes you've got to be spontaneous to make memories with your kids and he wrote to me the next day and he's like dude i was driving my kids to school and we both my, my kids looked at the waves and went fuck it we're going surfing turn the car so around and then he's like rang the school and said my kids are sick <laughs> and he went out surfing and i said that's the shit that's going to make your kids remember oh yeah it's like those little moments are what's going to make you remember it. and that's where you're going to start with the kids and like i love my corporate talks and it's good money in the corporate talks and i love doing i love i love being hired by like the top people in australia and i turn up in a pair of shorts and t-shirts and people are like, why do you turn up and put shorts and t-shirt? I'm like, because I feel comfortable. And if they're going to judge me on what I'm wearing, then I'm a shit speaker. Because I used to turn up in a, sh- in a suit. And like, I think I was telling you the story when I got hired by like Suncorp or it was like Commonwealth Bank or one of those ones. I was doing like a road show. And I turned up in a suit and it was the shittest talk I've done. And they were paying me like good money. And um, the head boss said, what would, to make your talks better, what would you do different? I said, not wear a suit. I said I hated it. I hate being in this skin already, and I'm wearing a suit. I'm not. I'm, it's not who I am. And he's like, "Well, turn up in jeans and a shirt tomorrow." And my talk was like ten times better. He's like, "Well, what else can you do to improve?" I said, "Wear a t-shirt and shorts." It's like, "All right." I'm like, "Well, you're the one paying me, so fuck it." I walked in, t-shirts and shorts. I remember I walked past this guy, and he looked at me with a shaved head and covered in tats. He's like, "I remember. I knew what he was thinking. What the fuck's this guy gonna?" what's he gonna say what's to he me? gonna teach me yeah. what i'm a high-end executive in sydney i'm worth fucking billions or whatever and i did this talk and he was the first person that bum rushed me and ran up to me and hugged me crying and he's like i judged you when you walked in i said i know you did i saw you and he said i realized that the judgment was on me because my son has a shaved head and tattoos and doesn't want to do what i do and I put pressure on him to try and do what I've done because of my success. But I realized that that's the complete opposite of what I should be doing. I should be embracing my son 
to challenge himself and be who he is going to be. My mum, when I was a kid, told me that if I was a garbo, as long as I was happy, that's all she cared about me doing. As long as I was a happy person. And this high executive guy that like looked at me like I was a piece of shit, like was hugging me and crying in my arms like an hour later. And all I'm doing is telling a story. A true story, but I'm telling a story. And like, obviously not everyone's going to identify with breaking the neck because thank God no one, not everyone that I speak in front of has broken the neck. Probably about 99.95% of people I've ever spoken in front of have never broken the neck. But I want people to feel what it's like to lose everything before they've lost everything. Because once you do lose everything, some things you can't always get back. So that's why I make sure when I do my talks, I want people to feel pain. I want people to feel sadness. I want people to feel joy. I want to take them on a roller coaster because life is a roller coaster and we've got to weather storms that sometimes we don't always think that we can handle. Like I like I look at so many things that I've gone through. Probably one of the toughest things and ironically people think oh, it's just a dog but I lost my staffy two years ago and that was the... like. Now I still choke up about it. Like that was the hardest thing I've been through. I lost my brother three months before I lost my three months before my son was born my brother was killed in a car accident and that was tough but I lost my staffy a year or two later after my brother and because I had her in my life every single day and when I broke my neck I was in a pretty toxic relationship and the girl used to tell me you're lucky I'm with you because no one else would want to be with you because I was in a wheelchair and stuff and I got this staffy and she made me she gave me love that I could never had and then like I'd obviously broke up with that chick pretty quick once I had the staffy because she gave me like this strength to go outside like everyone would always stare at me because I was in a wheelchair and people like why are you wear nice clothes why do you wear nice shoes you're in a wheelchair you should wear just like moccasins and tracky pants I'm like well why can't I look good why can't I feel good and when I had a staffy everyone looked at the staffy and so for 14 years I had this dog in my life and then when I had to make that decision to put her down like fuck man that was one of the hardest things I've ever been through and I had to learn to um, to to start like when I lost my brother I couldn't do talks, but then I had to learn to live for them. It's like when Bronnie passed and Maddie and Judd and Heath and my grandma, I could have focused on losing four people and five people in one year and fucking up and doing all that, or I start living for their family, living for their honor start being a better person and stuff like that and that's what I share with my talks because every single person in the room has either lost someone or has gone through yeah like there is depression yeah yeah and that's where I try to like connect so my talks are pretty obviously it's about my accident but then like I try to spread it out and make it as much about life as possible yeah because I want people to appreciate shit there's so many unappreciative assholes out there and then like it'll just take on something it will just change everything and they're like oh fuck there's just things I can't undo and that's the biggest thing is to live with regret and that's what I want to try and help our future kids because I want them to build a better future for my son and I want to build a better world for us and I want I think that our world needs more dreamers because like you get knocked down for being a dreamer you get knocked down for like I mean you start in your podcasts I'm sure you had a lot of people like, oh, what are you going to do with that? Where's that going to go? Yeah. Who cares where it goes as long as you're enjoying it and look at where it is it's going, you know, and you get to meet so many different people and learn so many things. And, you know, like I've got so many friends like, fuck, I wish I did this. I wish I did that. Well, fucking do it. Oh, no, but I'll lose my job and then I'll, I'll struggle with money. So 
I said I, I had a good paying job and I, I get paid good money with my talks but sometimes like there's big gaps you figure out how to survive and you realize you don't need a lot yeah 100% like I used yeah. to have really nice cars I don't drive a Ford Territory I, I went my dream car was a Malou and eight weeks ago I went to put a deposit on it this black Malou I found and I had AJ with me and I pumped up AJ I'm like yeah we're gonna get this car daddy's gonna get this car and AJ's getting all pumped on it and stuff like that and he heard it start and he heard the V8 and I was gonna put a deposit on it the next week and literally I was still in earth moving at that stage and I had a really shit day and a really shit day in earth moving is quite dangerous and my boss said you know maybe have a couple of days off because you've got a lot of going on in your head and you know I've got 15 16 guys running around in three and a half two meter trenches you know, I can make one mistake and I can kill someone. And um, I had the two days off and I just everything was going on with everything falling apart around me, not seeing my son. Yeah. I just wasn't concentrating. So I took the two days off and I literally was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I, I've, I made enough money to have at least a couple of months rent in front of me and I just made the choice of not working. I'm so glad I didn't get that car because it would have really fucked me. But like, you know that dream can happen another time yeah you know my my biggest goal now was to to be with my son and and then have that passion again for my talks which i hadn't for a long time and then i did a, a talk for metricon a few weeks ago and it was my first talk my last talk was red bull up in up here in about august september and then the next one was metricon and um i hadn't like my last talk i was married and like my marriage was a big part of my talk because it helped me get out of like a really bad situation when I was yeah. drinking. And now like my next talk, <laughs> I'm divorced and going through all this stuff. Well, not divorced, but sorry, we're separated. Yeah. And going through all this stuff. And like, how am I going to manage this talk? Because like this is completely different. And I weathered it and it ended up being one of my best talks I've done. And AJ, like I try to have AJ at my talks because having him there makes it that more real and yeah it puts like but there was like there was only it was it wasn't a big talk there's only like maybe a hundred people in the room i was like there's no way he's gonna run to me and he did he ran through the crowd and jumped on stage with me and jumped in my arms and like that moment for me was one of the most proudest moments of my life because i i got to i never thought that i could have a son that was never a, a, a dream i never oh, thought yeah. that I'd, i wouldn't even have thought of that. never thought that i'd be able to have a kid and i had a kid naturally um and I get to watch my son be a better version of me and he helps me be a better version of myself and that's why I bring him in my talks because it makes that more real and that's why I'm like dude if you're on my Instagram it's so much of my son but there's a reason it's just because I want people to also see the joy he brings me but then maybe they might see more in their own kids because yeah. I think a lot of parents take the kids for granted I think people can have kids really easily and they like oh my my fucking life's over yeah where you know I, I felt like i didn't start breathing until my son was born yeah and everyone says that eh? i'm just so proud of him like it's just like even small things like he goes to daycare like fuck dude the first time the daycare he walked in like so proud and then when we left like he fucking i remember hearing him losing it and we're in the car park and i'm like fuck, i don't want to do this but i'm like you have to let them get to that push past that point and then a few times i had to take him this is when we we're still in the marriage i had to take him by myself and it was so hard to get him in there because I literally, I, he was too strong for me because like mm. I couldn't get him in. I used to have to get like the his teachers to come out and help me drag him in. Like, And then you hear him screaming and then 
um he had like then we went through obviously the breakup so there was a good like six to six months not maybe not that long maybe three or four months where he didn't go to daycare and then i took him to a new one where his his friend was one of my mates whose son's like three or four days older than aj and the first time he's like no daycare like literally you watch a video every time he sees me the first time he's like no daycare i'm like no nah, mate no daycare yet this is because he he'll go but like he doesn't he's, he's not into it and i get so proud of him now because he he doesn't want to go there but he'll walk in there now yeah and like he'll say Even goodbye he and he, he's go. got tears in his eyes he's like bye daddy and like it crushes me but he needs to go through that too to obviously grow because he doesn't like hanging out with kids his age yeah and um i get so proud of like even like he'll do crazy crazy stuff at a bmx track or a skate park and like people will freak out at what he does or what he drops in on i haven't let him drop in on a half pipe yet like it's just i'm not ready for that i don't think he'll probably like miss the whole thing just land straight to the bottom but um yeah i i i get so proud of him just the small stuff too like he'll have tears in his eyes yet he'll wave to me goodbye and then like i did a post as i said i did a post today about every time like i pick him up from like either his grandparents or daycare and he just runs to me and he's like daddy he's like daddy time he's like, it's just so genuine yeah and that's what's made me realize what i want with life and and that's the you know like it, especially like when i when i used to become single like dude i used to go fucking nuts like i'd go stupid and just go out and just try and find as many girls and just yeah be, carry on yeah just get a bit of carry on happening where when we split i just focus purely on him um you know i I like my dad when him and my mum split you know he had new partners quite quick and without him realizing you know i kind of always felt as a kid that like i wasn't always number one to him yeah and and that's not talking shit on him but that's just how i felt as a kid and you know like he's an amazing grandfather and stuff like aj and him are so funny together but i i didn't i don't want aj to feel like that i don't want aj to ever feel like he's number two to me and and you know every no one's perfect like there's things that i'm always trying to constantly improve on um and there's other things that have happened since the the breakup and that's why like my sole focus was him and that was a big reason why I took this trip up to Queensland because Zane's moved up here, which is one of my best mates who's like, AJ gets more excited to see him than me sometimes. And so I, I was like, I took that opportunity to to come up and just sort of find myself a bit too because I felt like everything was so surrounded in just him. Like I needed to start, you know, meeting new people and, and like hanging out with chicks. Like I hang out with chicks and stuff and like meet chicks, but then my son's my priority yeah and like the boys are like put me on tinder and shit like, i don't want to fucking tinder and they're like well what age limit are you gonna do i'm like i don't know like 20 to 28 and they're like dude you're 37 <laughs> i'm like well i don't know last time i was single i was 28 so like yeah. <laughs> it's crazy like yeah i'm not gonna <laughs> say too much <laughs> but yeah it's funny the ages it's still contact like we'll contact me i'm like Fuck, my broken neck's probably older than you so <laughs> yeah <laughs> maybe give funny. it a couple of years relax yeah it does actually say funny. how old i am but it was so funny like they're like all you do is just you need at least tinder or something to jump on i'm like yeah but like my focus is my son so yeah but then i've realized now like with time well, like we were saying the other day like you i always use the analogy of like you got to fill up your own cup before you can fill out someone else's 100 percent. but i think that he an empty cup yeah but i think having that time also i i got josh back a bit too mm. 
like I, I, came, I became tough I didn't have to rely on a, a chick or something like that I like I I realized more not what I want where like you just go take whatever you want yeah well like I'm just like that's not what I want like and you know I've met opportunities and I'm just like yeah that's no, not for me yeah and you know the, and you know I, I'm happy to meet someone but then in saying that I'm, it doesn't bother me either like yeah. I, I enjoy like fuck I can't wait to like go home and just have a solid week with my son of just doing shit yeah whether it's us just watching blaze on tv or whether we go the bmx track or just you know like i he still co-sleeps with me at the moment just because like i think he kind of needs that nurturing bit too as well but then the feeling of waking up next to him and he's like my daddy's here and like he sits on my head and like wake up time to wake up now and like he'll watch yeah. blaze while sitting on my head and I'm just like it sounds fucking stupid, but like I love that, that because the little things, those yeah. little things. Because like when I broke my neck, man, I would never have thought that I'd have that. Yeah. I, if I had have pressed that button, that, that if there was a button to end my life eighteen years ago, and I would have pressed that, I wouldn't have all this. Yeah. And you know, yeah, I've gone through some fucked up shit, and yeah, I've, it's it's been tough, and it has been a hard road, and it's not easy being having a spinal cord injury and especially trying to meet a new person with a spinal cord injury it's not easy because there's fears that you have even after having it for 18 years Man, when you like meet how, a new when you meet a new chick and you like and like dude think about the how like not even everybody that's just like normal never been through an injury is they still have like these uh, self-conscious yeah, yeah. anxieties in a relationship and yeah. it's like how many people that are completely normal yeah. to use the lack of a yeah, yeah. word and like they'll they'll never be free of those yeah. worries so imagine like adding in other stuff yeah well, i was just sort of like even like you know like i'm i'm pretty good like i'm like the bathroom stuff sort of all good and stuff like that and um it's more like the drinking side of things like you have a few drinks like i went out the other night and you know there was people around that sort of haven't been around me and like i started like that they try to help and yeah yeah and i'm like oh i don't want you seeing me like this and or whatever and i realized it was my own insecurities it's not wasn't theirs yeah I'm like they didn't give a fuck it didn't bother them they knew what how i walked on the walking stick so it kind of teaches me again like because when i was in the marriage i was in a safety thing because she knew what i was like and yeah i could just like she knew everything about me so it never never mattered it's become so routine yeah and then now i'm like a 37 year old dad that's all fucked up and blown out and trying to meet new people and realize that it was myself judging me yeah and it, it's taught me like this trip has taught me so much in this 10 days and isn't that crazy eh that you like you know such a short 37 time and you've been through so much and like 10 days can teach you so much about oh yourself. yeah and, I th- and like as i said to you at the start like on sunday night like i, I went to sleep crying because i miss my son so much and i could have jumped on that plane and flown home and i would have been okay but then i wouldn't have it's met like a drug addict giving yourself a hit eh? huh it's like a drug yeah, addict and in a like, different way yeah it's a different thing eh? and that's yeah. what i mean like you know i i i found that i was relying on him a lot but we probably make choices as just adults we probably make choices to run back to our little well, crack easy. every you know like every time well i always say going back to an ex is like taking a shit and trying to shove it back up your ass it's gonna be messy <laughs> and it won't work <laughs> and i think as adults whether it's a relationship or just if it's something that you know that's a safety thing we food. run back to it straight away yeah food tv 100 percent. yeah 
like if we start going on a diet and then we start feeling shit about ourselves we second guess ourselves oh fuck it we'll just i'll go eat this thing next thing and it, it unwinds itself so like with my situation being up here it was like i know i could change my flights and fly home but then i'm not gonna book this yeah i'm not gonna book the schools that i want to book i'm not gonna get to catch up with mates that i never get to catch up with like catching up with you or catching up with jake and other mates and and andy and ty and my other friends that i've got to catch up with like i would have missed out on that and um so i made sure to focus on okay i'm gonna make the most of this time while i'm up here i've booked a few schools so i'm gonna come back up in another month and try and do some talks i know that andy and all the boys like really keen to get me to do a talk and stuff like that so it kind of like i made it worth it i'm like okay i I could look at it as a sacrifice or i could look at it as okay i'm gonna make the most of this time i'm up here now because normally when i come to goldie it's i'm doing my talks i never get to catch up with anyone i'm too fucking tired and like most people obviously work so when i go to catch up with them they're wrecked from work or so never work so like having that time just josh time was good to be able to catch up with mates and and sort of just do what i wanted figure out who you are again yeah so like it's the first time i've been yeah. single up on the goldie and i didn't even hit cavalab yeah but apparently cavalab is not even a thing anymore yeah no fuck dude <laughs> how long go, it's been since i've been out man i don't go north of um mermaid beach my gym. Yeah, mermaid dude literally mermaid <laughs> yeah. like there's a my, that's where my gym is yeah and i just don't go past that yeah shit. yeah I, I look to be honest like i um but the Goldies changed so much. You don't sort of have to. Yeah, I think there's so much to offer down here. Like I love where I live in Melbourne. I just get over the cold. Like I yeah. just and that, but I find that people up here, and it's not even talking shit on people in Melbourne, but I find people are more open to bringing other new people in. Mm. I think it's because it's such a melting pot of people who have come from Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney. Yeah, it's sort of like and, LA, dude. To be honest, yeah. Like I feel like the Gold Coast is getting a bit of that LA thing yeah. where it's like. Uh, a lot of creatives are coming to the Gold Coast a lot of people trying to start brands photographers yep. models like really it sort of has like more of an LA vibe to it now the Insta models a lot of Insta models <laughs> that's all uh, these influencers yeah I know, like, what the fuck are you influencing influencing how to get your teeth whitened um, but yeah no I think to hide that. <laughs> yeah. so like that's the one thing that I think that I I, I love coming up here you, you find that creative side but I found like the support's insane like more so like they want to hear my story like the boys like zane who have been best mates with for 14 years however long it's been he heard my talk for the first time when he did some photography for me for the metricon talk six eight weeks ago yeah and it's just like people know my story but they don't know my story because like i don't i don't need to talk about it like they they know i fucked up they know i I broke my neck when i was a kid they know that i go through shit but like they never know how deep yeah and like i've got mates that would come to my talks and they're like dude like we had no clue you go through that every day and i'm like yeah but if i tell you that then you worry yeah so if i don't tell you that then you don't worry and then that makes me worry less which then makes less issues for me because what happens and it happens to anyone even an able-bodied person your worries build up so much that you cause problems yeah with a spinal cord injury it's the same but worse it's like you worry about all these things and then the problem hits you and everything falls apart and um that's one thing like being up here like i got to meet new people and i got to meet new people that never met me how i am and and like i've realized that like everyone just embraces you and stuff like that but everyone up here i found in goldie just brings you into like their groups 
like I know there's clicks man I'm not fucking stupid like, yeah yeah but like I I find it like the majority of people like when I went to Dust Hustle and stuff like that there was dudes like I've talked to online for so long and like I caught up with them it was like a slap punch and like we like we could known each other for yeah, years yeah. and we sat down and like talked for like and like it was like known each other for so long like that like catching up with Dean Ross like 18 months ago when I was doing the videography like we talked online and then one day I was like dude we got to catch up and I'll video you and like it was so we talked online it was not even weird to catch up and like yeah. we did probably one of my most favorite edits I've ever done which I showed you it's sort of like it's so funny that like we we have this social media world and you'll find like even like you'll try to talk to a chick online and like show what they think that you're trying to fuck them I'm like do you mean they're like random dudes I talk to online and yeah. I'm not trying to fuck them like it's just I like to talk I like to meet new people um I was talking to who was I talking to oh Jake from Shock Mansion he's 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 gone to like 17 different schools through his life something like that but yet he can meet anyone and get along with anyone because yeah, yeah. he's had to change so many times like I've I've changed I've taught my head probably six or seven schools but then you'll find like the groups have like been in the same school from prep to like high school and they've got the same clique and they don't let anyone in their little clique yeah and, and then like they're socially retarded like they meet people and yeah, like, they don't know what the fuck to do they don't yeah little ecosystem. yeah and so like that's yeah, that where I, sense. I've and, that. yeah so like that's what i found with social media like oh someone will start will add me or something like that whether it's a male or female i'll start talking to them like i've got that many like and it's not even I don't feel like it's weird. Like there's guys that I talk to online that I've never met and like they comment and shit like, oh, I love seeing your videos of your son. Like they've got kids mm. and blah, blah, blah. And then there'll be like chicks will add me and like I'll start talking and they lock up and show where they think you're trying to like screw them. Like it's fucking, people are so socially fucking retarded these days. It's, it's so crazy. Weird it's called social media though. But no one's social. That's no, fucking weird. Dude, we we're at a dinner table last night and like a couple of chicks rolled in and like the boys were there and I looked and like, few of us were single and like half of them were on freaking tinder i'm like yeah but it's like we're all fucking single here right now this is how it used to happen yeah well that's how it used to happen but anyway i'll just i'll just uh, keep eating me dinner and enjoy that feed the um that's what's been cool about about gypsy tales like i met so many rad people through all day yeah like not just guests but just listeners and like listeners that reach out and like whatever you know be the same with you and your talks i think you just have to talk more people yeah. are so fucking closed off so people are so worried about judgment so people are so worried about what other people are going to think all the time but yet they'll post all this bullshit on social media like majority of people didn't even know that um my wife and i had separated oh, yeah, i didn't couldn't even post it yeah. like some shit doesn't have to be posted You'd, and like i posted what i wanted to post and that's what most people do but then you'll find another aspect where people just post all bullshit and it's just like oh my life's fucking over rah, rah, my everything's falling apart i'm so like they're people are probably trying to look for a different type of um not necessarily in a bad way but like attention yeah like some people i've met like they went through major depression and none of their friends reached out and i could just see little signs and if they posted and i'd rang them like I'm like give me your number and I'll, I'll call you like people I don't know they're now really close friends with me and I had no clue like they were going through major depression to like almost suicide and so I think social media can be a good and bad thing but I think that pe- there's a lot of people either overshare or like they make this whole fake bullshit yeah. life of influencer life where they're yeah. 
they literally like they'll take a photo and then they'll just sit there wondering who's going to judge them on the fucking photo of like whether their ass is in the photo or like you know you know i'm talking about and that's what i think social media can be such a good different platform and i hopefully like with you with gypsy tales or me with my talks and stuff like that i hope that like it, it can spread better awareness like me posting all the time about my son hopefully there's parents out there that might look at that and go oh I realize that I need to do something more with my kids as opposed yeah. to maybe not focusing on work or my other own personal shit. And um, yeah, I think it's definitely social media is a good and bad thing. I definitely I think, think it's, it's a different like, world. It's just the perspectives that people view any situation with. Yeah. Because it's like you can, um, like there's people like, for example, like I'll post a video like when we do the motocross stuff and you'll just get people that just have like, they'll make these comments about it and I'm like, that's just a weird way to look at it yeah like you know like you'd have to be looking at the whole thing like if you reverse engineer the situation Mm. to like look at what eyeballs they're even seeing that i'm like well that's a fucking weird pair of eyeballs (laughs) like if you can draw that conclusion from that particular thing it's like you need to shift your perspective because like i just genuinely don't see it like yeah 100 and i think you just get people where it's like you know you could be posting photos of your kid and then you could have some dude that gets the right message of yeah. like, oh man, I'm going to, that fires me up to or some spend other more time says, with my kid. Stop posting your kid, you get a fucking life or something yeah, like that. Yeah, exactly. Some guy goes like, well, who's I've had one person's done that and they've been blocked. So yeah, but <laughs> it's literally like, out of everyone. But it's not like that person looked at both sides of it yeah. evenly and then said, no, nah, you know what? He's just a fuckhead that's doing this for attention. Yeah. That's just their go-to thing. Yeah. It's like the default switch yeah. in their brain. hundred percent. And it's like, that's what I wonder is like, how the fuck do we get people to change the default? Yeah. Because it's like, as much as I think the dude's a wanker that would comment something stupid. Yeah. I'm like, where's well, he coming I, from? I get it. He just bought it. it home. Like you just, that dude sucks, Yeah, you know, but it's not, you know, it might not even be his fault. It's like that for whatever reason, that's his default. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, fuck, how do we rewire that default to yeah. be more positive than negative? I think one thing I learned is you can't change everyone, but if I think if we can try and change a few or figure out ways of channeling different messages, we can start fixing more issues. And the more we fix other people, the more other people can fix other people. It's like yeah. that, that, is it I butterfly just, effect? Is yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You just you can grow and change different things, and I think that, like my mum, perfect example, right? So last year, I don't even know if you know about this, but my mum walked across America by herself. What? She walked from Carlsbad to Washington D.C. over six months. No shit. So she did this. It was it was a pipe. It was a pipeline dream that she had, and she wanted to do it to raise awareness for spinal cord injury. She wanted to raise money to help people go through... Pro- like we need play- to get your mum on the podcast. Oh, dude. That's fucking... You'll have a five-hour podcast. That's wild. So, she, yeah, she did this by herself. Halfway through a walk, she's copping shit from people going, why the fuck would you do this? What a waste of time. Your son should be doing it. You're just doing this for attention. And, like, the whole... Like, my mum's getting attacked by wild dogs. She didn't realise that there's sections of America that have their own law, like in the Indian reservations where she had to walk through. And, like, she was stuck sometimes in places that had... Were lawless. And um, yeah, she got Indian attacked. Yeah, reservations are yeah. no fucking joke. Bro. Yeah. And, it's like, she had no idea. So, like, she had a lady that was there that used to ride a hand cycle with her sometimes. But the majority of the time, my mum was by herself. Like, there's photos of her on a highway and there's this tiny little dot. And it's my mum and she's walked... And she did it in six months. That's like real life Forrest Gump shit. 100%. She lost like 
Fuck, she lost so much. I can't even remember how much weight she lost. I know that I didn't recognise her. That is blowing my mind right now. I had no idea that she did that. Yeah. So it's just like, and she, she, yeah, she didn't raise the money she wanted, but she raised awareness. And, but my whole point to telling that story about my mum is no matter what you fucking do, people are always going to try and bring you down because they've got their stupid little mindset, like what you were saying about you doing the podcast and the motorbike stuff, or me moving my big toe. No matter what you ever try to do, you're never going to please everyone. Yeah. So make sure you please yourself. Yeah. Because you're never going to be able to rely on someone else the way you can rely on yourself. And my mum doing that walk, yeah, she didn't make the fun she did. And yeah, she copped fucking grief. Like I saw this woman, right? And it was a, it was a growing ass woman, my mum, having a go at my mum walking across America. I'm, what's your fat ass doing? Mm. You're sitting on a keyboard having a go at a woman that's like given up six months of seeing her grandson. Like the first week my mum broke her feet and she walked for another six months every day, every single day, dude. And like there were some times where it was too dangerous. So she, and it was too wet. Like it was way too heavy for her to even drive. She'd go to a shopping center and work, walk like 40 kilometers inside the shopping center. Really? Because like she, she had a deal that she'd walk X amount of day, every day. Oh. And if there was days where she couldn't walk physically because of like how Rain, bad the weather shit, was, yeah. she had one day off in six months and um yeah like oh fuck like i didn't originally want to do in that walk because that was a fear of mine like because you know she wanted to do it in the states because there's better um programs over there i know that she would have been safer doing it in australia i could have helped her a lot more with like the media side of things in australia yeah um but you know that like, we also realized who stepped up and who didn't um with that whole walk but i remember when we got to washington like there was mums that had flown from like Iceland and like Australia. Um, there was mums that had flown from, uh, what was the other countries? There was like a couple of other countries, they specifically, and around, also around America, like scattering America. They flew directly to Washington just to finish the last two kilometers of Washington with my mum. Then she met with like, um, uh, what do they call those, the law people? I don't know politicians yeah them ones <laughs> but they, no, they're called something else different like you got to meet like the senators and oh, stuff like, like that a senator or something yeah, yeah so like they ended up meeting like 27 different senators to, to let them know about like because we're hope my mum's plan was hopefully it's like when someone becomes famous in the states and they're Australian like no one gave a fuck about them in Australia but then they go to yeah. the states and become famous and Australia wants to claim them my mum's whole point was hopefully if we can change some laws in the states have better funding for people with spinal cord injury then hopefully australia might follow like it's cost my mum 1.6 to 1.8 million dollars to get me to where i am physically so like if you if you don't have if you have a car accident or if you have a workplace accident you, you normally will be okay with financially but if you have it like i did or like Brad, um, where it's a, an accident, a sporting accident, you're fucked. Didn't Brad get super lucky with his insurance? I got no idea what happened with Brad. I've never yeah, asked him I about think, that. I think he was saying on the podcast that like but he deserves it. He something needs it. happened where yeah. like it was like almost like a loophole, but he just got like insanely lucky with some yeah. insurance. So stuff. like I I was originally meant to get a half a million dollars, um, because I was an underwriter under my mum's insurance, and I was also going through a lawsuit. And there's a reason why I don't ever talk about what mountain it was because it doesn't need to be said. But there was a lawsuit that I was in because there was a um, 
uh, um, a duty of care. Mm. And um, I was in the lawsuit and it was like a $3 million lawsuit. And my lawyer, who was a top lawyer, said, Josh, no matter what, even if you get the money, they're just going to keep fighting it through through court. So what do you want to do? And I found out that one of the ladies who was who let me do the jump, she went through major depression. And so I got her to come into the courtroom and I wanted to hug her. I'm like, none of this is your fault. Like, in the, the day, it just happened, mm. you know? And um, we walked away from that lawsuit, but we thought we we're going to get a half a million dollar payout. And because I walked in the first year, the insurance company assessed me as not deemed as uh, the higher, higher yeah, end. Okay. And they sent a check for like 1600 bucks. No shit. So, like, it completely fucked us financially. My mum sold houses. My mum had like, all this she art. was pretty good in business and stuff 100 percent. and like she had like successful um company and like she had um my mum my mum used to make a lot of, i didn't realize how much money mum used to make until we lost it when the gfc hit and we lost everything but when i went through my accident like my mum sold a house she she sold all her artwork she sold everything she could just to, to try and help me because it costs money and that's like when people like reach out to me when alex mckinnon broke his his neck um in their rugby yeah, yeah, um, injury Knights, yeah. yeah um quinny from knights heard about me through bilko and heard about my book and so quinny contacted me and said come in and literally the first thing i don't even talk about i don't even talk about walking whenever i meet someone about with a spinal cord injury like okay have you got insurance no okay well this is what you got to do because if you don't have money you're fucked really so i literally said to alex's family you need to just um use whatever avenue you can and if people want to donate money do it because people try to donate money to mum and i when i first had my accident or tried to offer things and we never took it because I was kind of like, well, this is my fault. Yeah, right. So, like, now, like, when, I know when... unnecessary. To, yeah. To so, like, when Jeff Jeff and Chris O'Shea rang me from when they were over with Brad when he first had the accident, I said, yeah. fundraise. Just get everything you Fundraise can. as much as you can and whatever you can, take it because you're going to need every single cent. And, and so, that, what kind of, like, when you say need every single cent, like, what stuff well, comes you, up you, you don't think of? Well, medical stuff, changing the house, going to rehab. Um, general, just Just living. general living. Yeah. Like, getting a new car, getting a whole car designed so you can get in and out of it. Your wheelchairs. Like, Brad's wheelchairs, I'd hate to know how much they would cost him. Like, they're normally between, like, 15 to 50 grand. So, like, it's shit like that. Like... People go, well, you don't need to spend 50 grand. Well, if it's going to help him get on the beach or it's going to help him get around or stand up or whatever, Have or some beds. Form of quality life. The beds, you know, like how expensive the beds are, like the shit that Barney's had to get. You know, he's worked hard to get to where he is, but, you know, he, he's he been smart with what he's done. And he, he but he's, it's expensive to live. Like even for me, I walk well, around. It's expensive for me to fucking live. And I don't imagine have, having a spinal cord injury yeah, like, and you can't work so like that's where i whenever i get brought in to meet families and stuff like that the first and only thing i tell them straight away or two things is don't listen to what the doctors say because they realistically they don't know because they can't play god no one can play god i'm not going to tell you you're going to walk again because i don't know if you're going to walk again i don't, don't know if you listen to someone telling you that you but won't. don't fall in that trap of listening and two fundraise mm. if you've got people because people are going to want to help you so okay help us by trying to raise money for us 
and don't feel bad because people give you money not because they want to help and that's why like when I told Jeff and Chris straight away I'm like you need to fundraise when I when I got brought in like if you've got a social platform use it it's not about trying to like dog money off people but like it's never going to go away like even with my injury I walk around my injury is never going to go away yeah it's not like a broken arm or cancer like people can survive cancer and have a healthy full life once you have a spinal cord injury you've got it for life and like I go through shit that no one could understand what I go through like not even like when I was married like even she probably knew maybe 70 to 80 percent of what I went through and we lived with each other but like no one will ever really understand what I go through still and I'll never get rid of that even like I could tell how bad you felt the other day when you couldn't get coffee as early as what I suggested. Oh, yeah, because like sometimes my mornings just take longer. Like yeah. sometimes I go to the toilet and it'll take me 20 minutes. Sometimes and I could I'll tell you felt like bad and guilty yeah. about it. And, and the thing is, like, I can't like, explain it over the phone. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, what? Like, don't feel guilty. Like, yeah. It's all good. But for you, it's like you'd carry all of those feelings. Yeah. All the well, time. you got to set everything up. Mm. Like, even parking, coming to your joint, like trying to find a car park. But yeah, I, don't, I can't bitch about that because I can still walk. Yeah. But like, everything is planned every day like literally when i was in earth moving i didn't go to the toilet in the morning because it takes me sometimes an hour to go to the toilet yeah but sometimes it can do it in like 15 20 minutes it's rare otherwise normally it's an hour sometimes fuck i've been on toilet for fucking two hours and this is shit like i never talked about for so long but then i realized that not talking about it doesn't help it and then people think oh you're fucking lazy because you're late it's not because i'm meant to be late yeah so like when i was in earth moving like i was getting up at 4 30 I had to be at work at six and then I'd come home and literally go to the toilet. And then by the time I finished at the toilet, I was so tired. I, sometimes I wasn't even having dinner. I'd just have a Milo and go to bed. And then that's where my health just started unwinding. Cause like I didn't have time in the mornings to go to the toilet. So I'd have to go at night and I have to go to the toilet every day. And like the, most of the time, and I'm putting it out there, if I'm late for something, it's because the toilet took too long, you know, like, it's something you just can't predict and that's like what the boys go through like they go through so much fucking shit that you could not understand yet they smile every day and then i'll watch someone that will bitch yeah and i'll watch someone that will bitch about how bad they've got it on social media i'm like go spend a day with them for a day add like all of life's problems that you have now plus all of these problems yeah and try and handle it like the other day i was like i said to one of the boys they weren't even bitching like fuck i'd love to give you my body for a day yeah and like I'm, I'm i've got it pretty good like you know i'm physically i'm good and like, i'd love to give you my body for a day and just see how you handle it like yeah. I'd, I'd just love to just throw it and just like i i reckon i'd freak out if i didn't have pain yeah i wouldn't know what to do with myself if i didn't have pain isn't but, it pretty remarkable what your brain can get used to then yeah 100 percent. i think we don't really use it to its full potential 100 mm. percent. we don't use it to a full potential like you even listening to some other like like when Joe Rogan talks about stuff that he does and stuff like that and you're like fuck you know like I I look at what I've done and I don't necessarily realize what I've done until like I talk about it mm. with you or like to other people or even in my talk I learn so much about myself when I do my talks because mm. I'm like mentally I think we can overcome so many things but until we're challenged and that's why I try to do my talks is I try to challenge people so they mentally do more mm. than just the easy or the what's safe and um 
you know like I my spinal cord I sent I haven't t- said this yet but I should um so about five years after my injury I sent my MRIs to a surgeon in Sydney that knew nothing about my injury he knew nothing about my recovery and mum and I flew up to Sydney and I remember we walked into his office and he said oh sorry I'm, I've got another patient before you and I said no I'm Josh Wood I'm I was here at 12 o'clock and I could see my MRIs I knew my MRIs had them for years yeah, I'm like that's my MRIs up on your the, the box the glow box I had a bit of attitude with doctors back then and surgeons because all I ever had was regression and I'm like you're a fucking cop like yeah that's me and he he leant on his chair and then he turned around he sat down in his chair and sat behind his big desk and he took his glasses off and he rubs his eyes and he goes it's impossible that you just walked in here I said well clearly it's not fucking impossible because I walked in here so what are you trying to say and he sat me down and he's like Mr Wood you literally have 5% message going from your brain to your feet he said you've crushed so much of your spinal cord that about 90 to 95 percent of it's died it's like an elastic band when you stretch it and it goes like, like that clear color yeah, it goes thin and like brittle and brittle and it's thin that's what my spinal cord's like and he said five percent goes from your brain to your feet so like when i go on a spin bike i'll be at the gym and i'll i'll, I'll ride that thing for a couple of k i'll answer a text message and i'll read it and i'll look down my leg stop that's how much brain power I use. So like when I do my talks, I used to stand and do my talks, but I found if I sat, if I, sometimes there's situations in my talks where I have to stand because like they can't see me because there's a big um, speaker's booth in front of me. Yeah. Whatever the technical word is. Um, but yeah, like if I'm on a, if I'm, when I do my talks and I'm standing, I'm not thinking about my talk. Because it takes so much I energy. literally come in and out of my talk in my brain. Like I'll see a slide and I'm like, oh, okay, that's where I'm up to like i'm constantly thinking about standing um so like yeah when i was on the spin bike i was riding 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 got a text message i read it and i looked down and my leg stopped so then i started trying to play um angry birds or games while you were still spinning spinning to try and, and like i'd literally be riding like i'd start falling off the bike because like my brain wouldn't know what to do and it was just crazy and i was and this was like 13 15 years later after my accident that i'm figuring this shit out like now even i used to not be able to talk to my mates when i walk down the street mm. but yet now i can like the other day like i was joking i was on the phone with a friend i'm like oh i'm talking and walking at the same time you know a year ago i couldn't have done that that's insane so there's yeah. still there's still improvements 18 years later and like it's small shit that like people would take advantage of or wouldn't even think yeah. of a big thing but it's just so funny that like when this doctor surgeon he's like out of my 20 30 years of being a surgeon i've never seen a recovery like this and he goes i, I just think it's impossible i said well it's so you got to stop saying it's impossible because i just walked in so like what are you gonna then i shit myself because i was like well hang on if i only got five percent left it might take just a small knock and i'll fuck everything yeah but then it made me realize if i can do what i'm doing five percent function of my spinal cord imagine what anyone can do and, and you know and please i've got to say this not everyone with a spinal cord injury is going to have a recovery that's not what i'm talking about this is my own personal recovery that's why i don't take advantage of what i've got that's why i'm grateful for what i've got because there's people that probably have an intact spinal cord that doesn't look that bad that can't do anything it doesn't it's nothing against them it's not because they're lazy or they've done something wrong everyone's different i'm everyone is so different and that's the scary thing with a spinal cord injury 
is that Bronte and mine injury literally you'd look at it and it was exactly the same MRI but his hands and arms worked 100% fine he wasn't in as much pain as me but like I said before but his legs didn't recover as quickly and like and that's the scary part it's it's a very lonely injury because um, it's it is so isolated 100% every single person in this world there's not one person that has a spinal cord injury that would be the same as someone else every single person in this world would not have exactly the same recovery mm. exactly the same issues whether it's even just pain or whether it's a bladder or bowel like you know my bladder came back a few years later like I, I used to have to use a catheter all the time sometimes I still do to fully drain it out but like most of the time I don't need one now where like you know 16 years I needed to use it and then one day I just started being able to piss mm. and like I'd say to the boys I pissed stood up like a big boy and pissed like a big boy like in the toilets and stuff like that like, you know that's a joke now like for years like my brother and my dad didn't even know I used catheters when I was younger because mm. I was so worried about what other people thought we'd go out in the wake boat and I would never drink alcohol because I was so worried that I'd have to use a catheter and then once I stopped needing to use a catheter then I had the I told my mates, I'm like, dude, we wouldn't give a fuck if you did that. Yeah. Like, it was my own fears that stopped me. And they're like, dude, if you had to whip a catheter out, dude, we'll try and do one with you. Yeah. I was <laughs> going to say, I'll just... Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, like, it's just funny, like, how we let our own fears stop us from doing so yeah. many things. But, like, yeah, everyone's so different. And that's one thing that I try to focus on and be grateful for is that I've got so much that could have gone against me and, and it hasn't. And so I try to be as grateful as possible every day. And I do have shit days. Yeah. And, like... If I start calling myself a cripple, that's when I'm having a shit day because I hate that word. I, I've, like, I've bottled people at nightclubs for calling me a cripple when I was younger, when I couldn't control my anger. I used to fight people without... like I'd have dudes twice the size of me call me a cripple. I'd fucking hit them. Like, I wouldn't take shit from anyone. But then, like, I've obviously learned to curb yeah, my just, anger and realise it's bit, not worth yeah. it. It's just like, what's the point? It doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah, But, um yeah like the if i like i have i have days where i'm just done and then like literally and i'm not even joking i know i brought up the boys a lot but they a post from barney or a post from brad will pop up puts it all back into perspective and i'm like fuck dude get over yourself you're good yeah and like they'll do something and i'm just like every time i've had a bad day one of those two boys will do a post that day it'll just randomly pop up and i'm just like gets me straight out of that mood because mm. we ca- it's so easy to focus on the shit stuff yeah but yet we forget to focus on all the good shit yeah and the, what to be grateful for yeah there's some things i can't do with my son but there's a lot of things i can do with my son that other fathers don't and i've had so many kids or growing adults that have said i wish i had had a dad like you yeah and that makes me feel so amazing because there's so many dads out there that are able-bodied that they don't do shit and and hey, parents you know mums can be just as bad but it's crazy how many people male and female reached out and said damn i wish i had a dad like you when i was a kid and like the stuff i post it's and i've said it's not about posing it's not about me trying to make out on something that i'm not whatever i post on social media is who i am yeah that's why i had to make a second one because like in my talks i've got you know like go out and party and stuff like there is a side to me that you know, still has fun yeah so like i had to make my other yeah. private one because like you know there's some things that like the school students don't need to see me going out partying like my mates being funny and stuff like that or so you know i need i needed to separate that life too as well because i know there's a lot of corporate companies on my instagram that like i won't think about it because i haven't been in that situation where i've gone out and partied and had fun 
and so like it's been very um vanilla for a long time where like my life's a little bit different now yeah and like i don't have vanilla friends at all so like there was a few times i was like i said to zane that i was like shit i might have to refire up the old instagram account that's on private and just delete a lot of people off that that don't need to yeah. be on there and because i need i do need that other life still because yeah, you be you've got to still be yourself but then i also want to be a good responsible person too and so like whatever i post is who i am there's no bullshit um just not everything i post like even the relationship falling apart like i just felt like people didn't need to hear that mm. people don't need to hear that shit the people that were there for me were people that i needed and you know like even mates like even you didn't know and mm. it wasn't because i i didn't want it to it's just like i'm not gonna ring hey jace fuck marriage just fell through all right yeah, I'll yeah. catch up soon right like it's just sort of just i was going through my own shit and i felt like there was no point having to share everything but i think that yeah I, I just really enjoy my life and i found my son has really made me grow as a human and i just want to be the best version of myself each day and i think coming up to goldie and having those 10 days has made me even more yeah of a better human and i'm excited to do my next lot of talks because it's just different now and um, there's more passion behind it again where i started losing that passion and i think that's when as us as as human beings we need to look and reassess a lot yeah i don't think we do it constantly enough. evolve constantly evolve and constantly challenge ourselves and constantly reevaluate what we're doing and what's important what we're missing out on if we're not happy doing something okay what do we have to do to fix it and not be scared to maybe take a step back to go right yeah for sure as a step go forward and go left and keep fucking hitting walls yeah sometimes we need to just take a step back and go that way as opposed to going straight and then kinking it off always to the left and going nowhere yeah and yeah that's just what i keep learning from life and the people around me i just surround myself in good people now and i just cut the shit out i don't put up with shit anymore and i just like i won't take shit because i don't treat i try to not treat people like shit if yeah. i do if i'm rude to you it's because it's a reason mm. but my, the majority like 99.9 percent .9 of the time i'm always try to be a good person to people because i'd want to be the person that i'd want to meet mm. if that makes sense yeah for sure so shout out to anyone that i'm rude to it's because there's a reason why because <laughs> you're a dick <laughs> um all right well 1:30, you got a piece out of here yeah i've got to fly, fly back to six degrees but uh the only reason why is because i've got my, my son and my dog there otherwise i'd be uh not going back at all goldie life well um yeah let us know when you come back up for your talks i'm uh really pumped we got to make it happen i didn't think we'd get a chance this well, trip it's always so. uh so it's, it's always you're always too busy and i'm always too busy so it's, no, it's actually really good i appreciate it man it's a pleasure to be on here nah man well it was funny like um when i started this podcast and i was back in oz i knew at some point you'd come on yeah and it was funny we've talked like, about it for ages yeah like, yeah and like and i don't know it's always one of those ones where i was like oh, i just don't like really want to like rush it or get you like down specific I was like i know at some point oh so many people i like, keep telling me like when, when are you jay's gonna catch yeah. up and do a podcast i'm like it's just been hard because like when i've been doing my talks i'm traveling and i'm too yeah. tired and then like my talk so much emotion goes into my talks you just cooked after i'm it. cooked like i literally like sometimes i'll, I'll fly up to brizzy and back in one day to do a talk and i'm mm, fucked yeah it's, that's a big effort and but then like i i put a lot on the line and so yeah like when i when i whenever i was up here normally i was doing talks so like i was too tired or you had a lot going on as well mm. 
So it was just good that it turned out. And Andy last night said to me, why don't you just do it tomorrow? I'm like, fuck, actually, I've got a few hours, yeah. Yeah, no, it's like I'm stoked about it. I try and live on the edge and try and get to the airport on time for once. Yeah, well, I'll grab your car so you don't have to fucking <laughs> walk all the way around the block. <laughs> no, it's all right. Righto, sweet. Well, um, yeah, all what's right, your Instagram? I'm done, ladies and uh, Josh Woody. Thank you very much for tuning in. I hope everyone enjoyed that as much as me. I dare say that one. Yeah, appreciate it. And then I'll say you'll come back at some point. You better. You're going to MC it. Oh, yeah, um, I'll yeah, yeah, I'll be free too. Thank you guys. Uh, See best prepaid Cheers. plans in Australia. You can check them out at boost.com.au and as well the guys at Nobby Underwear. Um, yeah, like I said in the intro to this, there's there's just no I've just never got bad feedback um when it comes to people that have signed up through the podcast. And at this point there's been a lot. Um so yeah, super genuine appreciation for those guys and their product and people uh that sign up through the show um our merch is available uh you can click the link on our instagram buy that will take you directly to our latest tea the camp vibes tea um and yeah that that's actually a massive help uh all the merch stuff so um through the instagram at gypsy tales podcast don't forget to subscribe to youtube if you haven't already um and we'll see you soon got some bangers lined up um slow start to the year with everything going on but we're like starting to ramp this thing up and i'm i'm yeah i'm excited for the rest of 2019 righto peace motherfuckers uh love you all this episode is brought to you in part by purina purina is dedicated to creating richer lives for pets and the people who love them from helping older pets think like their younger selves to making cat ownership a possibility for more people than ever. Purina is helping pets thrive so they can live long, healthy, and happy lives. Purina has you covered for all your furry friends' needs, whether they meow or bark. From litter to treats to their best-in-class, nutrient-packed food with taste your pets will love. Purina's got your back at every stage of your pet's life. Your pet gives you the joy of the spring sunshine all year round. So today and every day, care for your pet with Purina. Your pet is Purina's passion. To learn more, head to Amazon.com backslash Purina.